Hello and welcome to Everyday Eternal number 120, your favorite, most deceptively named bi-weekly legacy podcast. Today's show is brought to you by our brand new Patreon supporters, Alex Cavaliere and Jake Cartwright. If you want to support the running of the show directly, you can support us on patreon.com slash everydayeternal. Wow, this, this month went by really quickly. Dude, I uh, <laughs> I can't believe that we're already almost at the end of, of March. Callum, how, how has it been for you? How are you doing? I always find it weird when someone says something like that because I feel exactly the same. And sometimes someone says, oh, it's a really slow week, isn't it? And I'm like, God, yeah, it really is, isn't it? And this month has flown past and I've been like massively busy with a bunch of things but all fun things and all nice things but i've just had no time to like stop to complain about things so it's yeah it's, it's <laughs> gone so fast i don't know it's great that sounds amazing yeah i, I, I didn't even think of it like that i'm just like yep yeah, it makes complete sense to me but and then it's the end of the month and all of a sudden you get a lot of money again <laughs> yes I love the end of the month because it means there's, there's money coming in. <laughs> exactly, yeah, like exactly. I was actually thinking the other day, it's like huh, February only has like 28 months. I wonder if at some point people will be like, you know what? We're going to pay our employees less in February because it's a shorter month. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure some companies tried. <laughs> oh man, that, that, would, that would be so shitty. I well, I guess, I guess it, well, it's a real thing outside salaries, right? If, you, if you're just paid by the day or hour or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Basically, like contracts over here are by the month, but yeah. overall, like it's really just an administrative thing if you think about your salary as by the year yeah you know, yeah then then that's just about this yeah it'd be weird well um what have you been up to this month you've had all five minutes of this month to do stuff <laughs> yeah t tons of stuff uh, mostly happening in kenya I'm, I'm so excited because i put together two groups um it's called a fam trip so maybe i already talked about this on the last cast because it's it's quite a long process to make it work but now we actually we got it in place now so the first group is going to come in june and the second group is going to come by the end of October, beginning of November. And the best, the very best thing that I never imagined I could ever make happen is that I secured free safaris for both of them. And not only free safaris at whatever your run-of-the-mill camp, free safaris at one of the best camps in Masai Mara, and free safaris at one of the best camps in Lumo Conservancy. And holy shit, did I never expect that to work out, especially since I asked for um, three nights in Masai Mara, which is like unheard of. But mm -hmm. yeah, I, I have been sending them a lot, a lot of people over the years. So I guess... Oh, you mean free safaris for you? No, no, no. Yeah, well, I, oh, I mean, the people I wanna... that go there get a free safari. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so for me, um, I'm more like an afterthought um, to myself <laughs> in this case. I, I yeah, really yeah. want to send these um, 10 people each. Uh, and, and give them a really good time because there's a really good chance that, you know, there's going to become a lot more traffic our way afterwards. And yes, I also want to join them, but that, that wasn't like my first intention. But um, now that it's happening, uh, once everything is in place, I'm going to talk to my boss and secure a flight and join them as well. Yeah, for Hell sure. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Very deserved after like the sound of what you've done for this guy the last few years. Yeah, like, and, and they, they've been trying to get me to Kenya for a while now, and I've actually been like, eh, you know, COVID is, is pretty aggressive now. And, and I mean, it's already like all over Europe again, but I hope by June it's going to get better. Mm -hmm. And yeah, this, <laughs> I, I, I'm pretty excited for that. Also, we, we're really pu pushing kite surfing. So by the way, if anyone is listening to this and you are kite surfing, I'm not even joking when I say we are trying to establish one of the yet rather unknown future best kite surfing spots in the world. So hit me up on... I don't know, Twitter, Discord, anywhere if you want to talk about that, if you are involved with that kind of thing, because we we, we already get like got a lot of groups booked and people um scheduled to to scout the place and check everything out. The equipment is ready. 
And now I'm I, I I've never tried kite surfing, but it's it's something I wanna like. I'm still super interested in diving, but maybe next year, maybe for oh, me, I would love be the to go diving. When I was young, I was on like a little holiday with my family in Greece, and I like discovered uh, snorkel diving, and I must have been like ten or twelve, whatever. And I just spent like hours and hours in the sea, and my parents were like, "Is he okay?" You know, and I was just like there, <laughs> looking at all the beautiful fish. And I've wanted kind to... of has been floating in the water for like five <laughs> minutes. What's going on? <laughs> it does look like a dead body as well, right? Because you're just like there, facing down, and just like buoying on the top. But um, yeah, I've wanted to go proper diving for like well, my whole life. I will do one day. So. Come to our place. Like yeah, everybody I mean, tells you, you should learn it like in Europe where the lakes are cold. And mm-hmm. so you will appreciate much more when you go to warmer climates. Makes sense. But yeah, I've only ever done it once. That was in Kenya and that was absolutely magical. I'd love yeah. to do it again, like properly. Like I only did like a single dive with our dive uh, instructor and that was magical. We can do a legacy safari. That's and, still and in dive. the cards for me. Like one day, you know, the blue safari, as we call it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah anyone that wants to. But for now, we'll have to make do with uh, basically winning a ton of tournaments, at least in your case, right? You did mm. really well at the, I called it the Callum Conquest of London. <laughs> is, is that what actually went down or how do you call it? Well, they're called, they're, they're called London Legacy Monthlies, LLMs, and they're, they're like London's baby for Legacy. We've talked about them a few times, but I started them five years ago now, roughly. Although we've had like a year and a half off, so we've been doing them for about three and a half and um yeah they're like monthly events that we've we started because there was just no tournaments in london and now they're you know back going strong they're every single month um numbers are usually around 40 now like pretty consistently sometimes they're higher we we cap some like when when we started up again because everyone's dying to play but now they've hit like a really like solid pace and I don't know. I was going to play something really janky for this. I was about to start sleeving up like just straight black green Nick fix. I really felt like playing some <laughs> just something like slow, grindy, rocky and stuff. And then I went out for drinks with friends the night before. And um, I think I should band rehearsal or something. And uh, Painter was still together. So I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to play Painter. And yeah, the it's like you were totally hung over. You have like had <laughs> no intention of ever building like another deck. You're like, I'm just gonna go with this one. I, I hear it's yeah. pretty good. Well, the idea was I was gonna like get home earlier and uh, build something cool. But then paint was together when I woke up in the morning. I was like, hell yeah, paint is gonna do it. And to be honest, I'm just still not even close to being bored of the, playing the deck, which is I think this is a record for me because I've said it a few times. I have like the attention span of a squirrel. I'll play a deck and then <laughs> a month later I'll be like, yeah, let's do another one. Do another one. But it's just just the best. It's just the best deck. So, is this yeah. the deck that's closest to your heart, like of all the legacy decks you ever played, or is it still miracles? No, I think this is. I still absolutely feel like a little bit of imposter syndrome because the real painter players have been playing for like so long and they are so diehard and they are very very good with the deck as well. So I still feel like I'm kind of new to it and stuff. I've only really been playing it the last year and a half to two wait, years wait, 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 wait you're gatekeeping yourself out of painter <laughs> i guess yeah. that's how it works <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i'm just i'm just aware of like there's there's a lot of people i look up to people like jack kitchen and stuff and um i don't know they've just they've just like stuck with it and but i've always loved the deck i've just never kind of got around to playing because i did play tons of fair blue decks in the past and that was always kind of a go-to but now i've started to appreciate everything else basically like i really enjoy combo decks these days but um, not kind of like turn one combo decks like Jax likes, although I do appreciate them as well. But I love these like odd synergies and stuff. So yeah, they really just speak to me because you win games with the combo, you win games with the beatdown, you have all these kind of like 
prison elements to to extent you have like it just does everything does all the different plans so i try to remember what i played against i know that at these events i do six rounds even though the numbers should be five i do six just because it means more legacy and we have time we have time for we take a lunch break after round three and then we have six rounds i'm not gonna remember what i played against to be honest <laughs> actually shouldn't, shouldn't that be on your on your twitter or something no you, you just posted that you won right yeah yeah it's not about the journey it's just about the destination it's just about <laughs> crushing with painter the deck itself was fairly standard to an extent. It's uh, Imperial still in my mind, like people say red-green. So the new th newer thing has been Once Upon a Time, which, uh, yeah, everyone knows it's a, it's been a good card, but you do need a lot of things to work in the deck. And it um, the first time I saw it pop up was Roger Sykes won the um, Buffalo Chicken Dip event, I think, in America. And he was playing four Once Upon a Times, and then I think he had no other green cards. And then... Recently, upon like talking about it in the Discord, I found out that one of the guys there called Daiz, D-A-I-Z-E, I'm not sure how to pronounce it exactly, he messaged Roger like a year ago saying, hey, since you play very creature-centric decks, because Roger likes to play with Magmatic Channeler and stuff as well, why didn't you try Once Upon a Time? And then they were like, you know, talking about it and playing it like a year or something ago. It just never really caught on. But I think with the, with the inclusion of Urza Saga in the deck now, I found a saga off once upon a time, like every single time I could. It's just increasing the consistency of having a saga in the deck, or you know, sometimes you just need a welder or an engineer. Uh, it's just the the selection it gives the deck has really, really impressed me, and um, I can't really see going back now. I played a couple of leagues online, and then oh, I played. Is that good? Yeah, and then this is this is the first non like this is the third time I guess I played it, and it's I don't, oh and I've played another kind of style of deck a more all-in faster combo with leds but it's just amazing it's really really amazing you like you could miss it's like slightly under so you have 22 lands 17 creatures but i don't know i haven't i haven't really missed much and if you if you miss like you know shit happens it also just like you know makes some of these hate cards so i didn't play them at this event but i've been playing three megas of the moon in the sideboard so it just ups your consistency if you want to side into something which like you're hating on lands or cloud post or whatever you can go that approach. Been playing like fairy macabres over surgical because it helps find them as well. You can there's like these these options to build all these different ways around it and stuff as well. But you don't need much help. It's just extra consistency. And so I found like the deck's power. The best cards in the deck by far are Urza Saga and Goblin Welder and Goblin Engineer. So anything that helps find them every single game it means you should. The best Goblin deck in the format now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is easily. I'm sorry, Eli. It is. <laughs> Yeah, the like the more I play the deck as well, the more I I'm quite quickly realizing that the goblins are the best things in the deck. I mean, they're they're basically like, especially Welder, right? It's just like a one mana card advantage engine. Goblin Welder it's, is it's like a mother of runes that needs to be answered, otherwise it's it's gonna like generate value every single time. It's like you know, it's 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 one card that's active to to beat a removal spell if you're trying to combo. Fine, that's level like level zero. Like the way it synergizes with the Goblin Engineer, although it's very obvious, Goblin Engineer just puts them in the graveyard. Like, I, I haven't been playing them recently, but some people play like either a Bolas Sicil or a Wormcall engine or like Possessed Portal back in the day and stuff. You couldn't like find these huge things and put them into play. So it can just like, if you really want that kind of effect, you can have these huge things to sideboard into, uh, like entomb with the engineer basically. But I found the utility of uh, welder actually welding out the opponent's things massive as well. <laughs> against against DNT, I've just had things like I've played a Khan and Khan their Aetherval, so I bolt their Aetherval and then switch out a Cauldre complete for their Aetherval back on zero oh, again. 
it's, I'm having a hard time following in my head. <laughs> you, you, when you bolt the other one, like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or like, you know, sometimes they play an uh, Esper Sentinel or like a Fire Action Revoker or whatever, Lion Sash. Although Lion Sash is quite annoying to do because obviously they can leave up some white yeah. to, to counter it. But y- you just find all these spots and like, I've had these games against like kind of prison decks online a couple of times where they had, or lands they have a mox diamond in the graveyard and it just becomes tap vindicate like a lot of the time if they're empty handed like it just does a lot of things with the opponent as well it really messes them up so uh, yeah the mirrors are crazy <laughs> as well yeah you should probably like release your own guide about how to play the mirror because I would feel like the the, the goblin uh, the, the goblin murder <laughs> the, yeah, yeah. the painter mirror match is probably one of the most okay here comes the word I hate the most quote unquote skill intensive matchups in legacy yeah like, it could be it, it seems quite wide yeah I think I haven't played it a ton but the the consensus is often you either side down to zero or one painter you live in all your grindstones and then well, the thing is it used to be and then Khan got printed and so have as Khan usually wins that kind yeah, of yeah that makes a lot of sense yeah. But you, um, you really, you, you're basically, like you say you're not one of the the big or famous or whatever painter players, but you are really carrying it spanner. Like you are really singing the prices of paint. And I think I've actually seen a lot of people, um, even just randomly on Reddit, talk about, oh, by the way, check out Callum Smith. He's the painter guy. Okay, and even like when that. people talk about it uh, in, in in paper, I was going to say like in real life, they, <laughs> yeah. they mention you as the paper guy. Uh, it enough. might be different like in the areas where the really big painter players live but generally in the on the internet like i see you mentioned as the painter guy quite often okay I, maybe it's just because like i'm doing this podcast and i'm on twitter a lot more but um man there's there's some there's some masters lurking i'm definitely in their shadow in my mind but yeah, i appreciate i appreciate it if someone someone says that and stuff because um i do think the deck is really good as well it's not it's it's not like a purely personal passion which i, I do love it to bits as well but um I saw Matthew Ozy- uh, Matthew Vuk Ozymandias um, posts his like kind of every month he puts puts like a a list of what he thinks the decks are like and where they're positioned and stuff. And he's very often saying like Painter is kind of middle tier, tier two, but high up. And then he very often says like there's a ton of potential in Painter decks. They just need to be optimized. And I don't know if that means playing Ponder and Brainstorm. I've tried it, tried it a few times. There, there might be like these kind of shells out there, but I... Every time I go that approach, I just find like not having Goblin Welder and Goblin Engineer and all the different synergies and like having huge constructs of Urza Saga is quite a big deal. So I don't know. I'm getting to a point where I think I really like the list, at least the main deck. Um, yeah. Okay, that's that's a pretty big thing to settle on if you say like, hey, I actually I like the main deck and now I, I got to work more on the sidebar. That's yeah. usually a pretty good sign. So the list, yeah. So the list I played, I'll do a quick run through. Four Goblin Welder, four Goblin Engineer. For me, that's just completely like you have to play that. Um, I started playing the deck on three Engineer. I'm like, how how do you do that? So the, these eight cards for me are completely fixed. Four Painted Servant, obviously. Um, there are some lists or ways you can play three, and if you have like three or four Kong and the Great Creator, but I I just like drawing the Painted Servants as much as possible. Um, I had three Imperial Recruiter. I would cut down to two, especially with Once Upon a Time in the, in the deck now. You you just have f- ways of finding all these things, and you don't have that many bullet creatures anymore. So I do like the up consistency of finding... The, like I actually search for Goblin Welder more than anything else. Um, Painter is great, but I find the Goblins most. And um, so I would put a twin shot, sh- uh, twin shot Sniper over the third Imperial Recruiter. I just didn't own one in paper yet, so he'll slot in. Um, yeah, Twinshot Sniper, I've seen that, that the thing do a lot of damage on Magic Online. Like, I think we, 
in our preview episode we only covered it because you actually slotted it in i didn't even select it <laughs> yeah. and it's yeah. one of the most played cards from the set now at least when it comes to legacy i think yeah it's it's cool it's it's like a little role player. Um, I'm going to put it in the deck, and I think it might eventually leave. It's kind of similar to Goblin Crater Maker. I think it's a little bit better. Um, it's going to be one of these cards of like it's going to be in the maybe box, and it'll be good sometimes and good and not good sometimes. Isn't that so- somewhat similar to the two lightning bolts you play, or are they like set in stone almost? Yeah. So I'll get to them in a second. Then. So one Magus, I still love having this to search for with the recruiters. Two Khans. I'll talk to Khan more when I get to this one in the sideboard because it's a kind of a weird one there. Two Lightning Bolts. I do want a third. Dragon Rage Channeler is really one of the best cards in the, against deck because it's a, it's a quick clock, fine, but it's the filtering to find their sideboard cards, like especially like Meltdown and stuff can be brutal. But also, I, I'm actually going to cut the the um, Insteriam Bridge from the main deck. It sounds crazy, but Delver just... Delver just plays one Brazen Borrower, and I, every single time I've like played this game where I just try and resolve Bridge and then try and stay alive, they just find it every single time. And then the good players will just um, surveil, 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 until they find like a couple of forces, and then they just Brazen Borrow the bridge, and they have two or three Merc Tides. It just doesn't work against Delver. So like, and then against the Marital Age decks, you could just combo faster usually. Yeah, so... Weirdly, in Staring Bridge is the worst card in the deck, and I'm looking to cut. It just it just never works. So um, the Lightning Bolts, I think I'll add a third Lightning Bolt over the In Staring Bridge, so you can just kill their creatures more. With three so, bolts. so you're basically looking to, to add the third Lightning Bolt and the Twin Shot Sniper over the third Imperial Recruiter? So a lot more yep. removal, actually. Yeah, I think so. I think that's a better way of doing it. You just kill the, you kill Delver's creatures or, like, DNT's creatures and stuff. Like, the bridge is just not not a, a long-term game plan you you can't rely on it and then it costs resources to get into play like you either have to like engineer for it and then they kill your welders and you hope the other ones live and then they get it then you get it and then they either brazen borrow or flicker wisp or something actually that's a really good point um yeah with regards to for example in the past like against the dev decks of old they they would then have like a Tarmogoyf, right? That you could still maybe chump block or do something. But now mm-hmm. that Merc Tides are coming in, those are a lot harder to block and they also hit a lot harder. Yeah. So it's not like you can lose your bridge and still stay alive for at least like two or three more turns. It's usually lights out. The other thing is they they bounce it. So it doesn't go to the graveyard. It's not like an embrace, so you can't like goblin it back in. You need to have two goblins in play to be able to like weld it out first and then weld it back in. And then they just know that, that and so they just find the removal spells for the goblins. Yeah, so it's just not a good plan. It, it's a shame. Like when Ragavan was legal, there was no borrowers. I played three bridges main deck just because you, you play it and you win. As simple as that. But not anymore, sadly. They have one brazen borrower and in classic Delver style, that, that's enough. Anyway, so yeah, there's, there's little changes. And five blasts is great. I would like a sixth, but it's not 100% necessary. It feels good just having a one-minute answer to that stupid dragon. Once upon a time, touched on... There's four of them, three Lotus Petals, and then one Mox Opal. I'm still unsure on the one Mox Opal, but quite often you do want to find a mana source off Urza Saga. And Mox Opal's on like a bit over half the time, so I think it's good. Otherwise, it could be either another Seaman Spirit Guide or a Lotus Petal. And then two Grindstones. Most people play three. I'm really happy with two. It just feels like enough. Against the Prismatic Ending decks, you just don't play out early. And you just fetch them off sagas most of the time. If you naturally draw one, you can combo quicker, and it's a nice advantage to having more in the deck. But if you draw multiples, it can be really bad, obviously. So, yeah, happy with two. There's a Soul Glow Lantern. It's just really powerful to have this effect in game one. Like sometimes you play against Reanimator or Dredge or whatever, and you just you can weld her into Engineer for it, and that's GG. 
And then finally the bridge, which I said I'll cut. And then there's 22 lands, there's four ancient tombs, uh, there's one city of traitors. There used to be two city of traitors until I wanted to add this tiger, so I wanted more green sources or just more ways to get red mana. I found that like I was... One of the most important things is trying to find basic mountains with this deck quite often. So against wastelands, you really get to use your mana. So um, yeah, I've got four basic mountains, four fetch lands, all red, and then four great furnace, one tiger, and then four as a saga, obviously. So let, let me question you about that one odd thing. That is the mm -hmm. three Lotus Petal, one Simeon Spirit Guide split. Is that because Simeon Spirit Guide provides the, the surprise effect when you, you know, what we call monkey blast something with pyroblast? It's to recruit for most of the time. Um, if you have like a hand with, say, a red source and an ancient tomb and then a Khan and you, and you have a recruiter, it's like a pretty common thing to play a turn two recruiter and then you, you find your fourth mana or your, your extra mana to play around days. Uh, the information is revealed. Um, the surprise effect is really nice. And in Delver now is obviously heavily represented, but not to the extent that I I could see going to like two Lotus Pedal and two Simeon Spirit Guide. But um, the Lotus Pedal being an artifact is just just way, way better. Um, so you can Yeah, yeah that, that's how I was initially thinking you might want four of those and no Simeon Spirit Guide, yeah. but yeah. Turning so, it up to basically ramp, like a one-time ramp spell. Like yeah. it's basically in a way, it's like a lotus petal that has to spend one that comes off uh Imperial Recruiter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's that thing. And I do search for it quite a lot. It's just it's it's worth that little flexibility. It's one of these little, you know, the numbers all look a bit random and stuff, but you you play it enough and you find these play patterns come up and you're like even if if you're playing against Delver and like your your last threat in hand is a Khan, or you're like trying to get up mana to uh, activate two grindstones in response to removal and stuff like that. Even if they know you have a Simeon Spirit Guide, like it's still the mana to do the thing you want it to do. So it's, yeah, it, it very often comes like that. Or you just get to like play play a card, use your mana and search for it and leave up a blast or it gets a combo deck or something. And I'll promise I have cast the Simeon Spirit Guide quite a lot and attacked with it. It really <laughs> happens. Like no joke. Monkey, get in there. Yeah, I think I yeah. beat I beat like a bug ninjas deck on the weekend by us just like trading resources, trading resources. I have loads of removal, they have loads of removal, and the monkey attacked for like ten. He played three thought seasons and finally just died to random beats. <laughs> so yeah. Oh man, you know how there's this this eternal discussion going on between you and Marius, and I'm usually like the proxy forwarding messages. Like we should really get <laughs> yeah, Marius yeah. into the Discord. Actually, now that I think about it. Yes. And Marius think it's absolute bless for me that you're not playing four copies of Karn. Can you it, tell us more about that? It's just, so Khan, oh yeah, so I have one in the sideboard as well, and I do get asked about that. Khan is an incredible card in the deck, but it's not like a necessary card. It's not, it can find a grindstone, or I know he plays three painters and one in the sideboard as well. You can find it, but he he goes a different route. It's a very different play style. He plays four Blood Suns and four um, City of Traitors. It's a pretty good combo together. I did try it online. I just found that the, the Blood Suns didn't do a ton when I wanted them to. And I don't think this is a great um, Blood Moon deck either. I do have a couple in the sideboard, but I like them to be Magus's. It's just for like some really bad matchups, like uh, Cloud Post, I think can be pretty tough. So I don't know. The like, I'm interested in trying out Lesser's as a Sagas. I don't know if he plays any now. He doesn't play any. He, no. He, he still doesn't believe in the card, which is... That, that that's the one weird part in the discussion because I can't have a discussion about legacy right now <laughs> with a non-believer in Urza's saga. Even though like I know why he doesn't play it. Yeah. But holy shit does that card shape everything. What I will say is in this deck, again, just playing more over time, is I find that I don't make constructs. I I make constructs less and less the more I play the deck. 
You know, that sounds like you had a bad habit of making constructs and you're like, you're making less of less of them now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm weenie off it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the, the constructs hit me hard. Obviously, you do make them against control and slower matchups and I, sometimes you just have these hands. So I had a, the win in for the tournament was against DNT and game three, my hand was like two Urza Sagas, an Ancient Tomb, a Lotus Petal and a Bolt and then other lands. I was like, yeah, snap, keep. So turn one Urza Saga, turn two um, Ancient Tomb and just that's make that just feels so good and then i then i had like great furnace and a couple of those petals and i was making a six sixes and seven sevens and attacking them and his hand was all like thalia and revoker and stuff and <laughs> they just got beaten down as simple as that so it, it happens but i find one of my favorite things is if you know the matchup if it's not like a why i think i've beaten eight cars so many times you just play like turn one saga turn two painter and they're dead like that you go and fetch the fetch the grindstone and you float the mana and they're dead next turn. That's it. In in the final, in game three, I had turn one, Saga, Lose Pedal, Painter. They forced it. Turn two, second land, Painter. Didn't have the force will and then that was it. Very, very <laughs> skill, skill game, you know. So, I yeah, I just find like I play Saga turn one or turn two very often and just go and get a grindstone and combo quickly. So... Oh man, I already, I'm, I'm already feeling it again. Like every time we talk, I want to play the deck. I want to play Painter again now. You know what I love <laughs> the most about Painter, by the way? Even not just like from a gameplay perspective, but from an overall perspective. Can mm -hmm. you guess? Is it the like, you know, different ways of playing depending on the matchup? Uh, I, I was actually going to say there's no reserveless cards in it anymore, but actually that starts to matter like less and less, at least in Europe. Um, I guess we're going to mm -hmm. talk about that later on, but like whether decks have reserved those cards or not really doesn't matter all that much anymore. Oh, yeah. But yeah, so it's, it's one of those card decks. Proxies aside, this deck has one City of Traitors. Um, you can not play it. it. It's really good, and I would now play one. This is by choice. I do have more. Oh, yeah, true, true. I totally forgot about the City. Though. Yeah. If you don't want to play a City, if you don't have one, just play another Fetch Land instead. It's it's really not going to make or break it. You could play the Lotus Pedal instead, actually. I've foregone a Lion's Eye Diamond. I've just chosen not to play one. I don't think it's necessary. I sometimes do online. Like, there's different builds with it. But no, you can play this without the reserve list, definitely. That's so cool, man. Yeah. By the way, you, you, there's one more card you have to tell us about because oh, yeah. otherwise people are going to be asking about it quite a lot. Mm -hmm. You know which one? The Gigantha. Oh, yes. Exactly. Thanks for reminding me. People do not play Gigantha. A little bit of the reasoning is because everyone at these tournaments knows that I play Painter and reasonably expect me to just keep playing it until I try something else. And so Gigantha basically says, if you reveal this at the beginning of the game, you're telling your opponent you're not playing Force of Will or Chalice of the Void. So that's really, really bad. So my idea was, if I was going to play Gigantha online, I was going to not reveal it game one, and then game two and three, you can reveal it because they, don't, they know what you're playing by then. And it's just a bit of extra value. Like, the only card in the deck, in this 75 anyway, that stops you being able to play it is the Pyrokinesis in the sideboard. So it was quite funny playing against, like, Delver and DNT. And I reveal it game one. And then game two, I don't reveal it. And they're like, oh, you forgot to reveal it. It's like, no, no, I didn't. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's just a waste of a sideboard slot. Basically, I put it into my hand once and I got thought seized. Um, it would have been okay in that game, to be fair. And then the other times, I just, you have things to do with your mana, your, your, your casting cards, especially with like recruiters in the deck and sagas to activate and uh, like just things to cast. You just have things to do with your mana. You flood out once or twice, but not a lot. So, yeah, it's just not, it, the cyber slots are worth a lot because one, first of all, you have a Khan wishboard and, um, after that, you do have some problematic matchups and some cards you need for that. So, yeah, I wouldn't recommend that. It's a nice troll card. Like, I kind of like that you could actually, 
you could reveal it in the, in the first game, but then you don't. Like, <laughs> how, you how bad does your commander have to be that you don't really want to reveal it, like, even when you could? <laughs> yeah, I was thinking that. And then, like, you say, but in Pyrokinesis, you don't reveal it game two, and then probably game three as well. It, it's just, yeah, just don't play it. <laughs> um, I was going to say, so the cons you asked me, though. So it's not good against Delver, I think. It's just too clunky. Sometimes, obviously, you play a, a control game, and you have the bolts and the blasts and kill all their creatures, and then Khan's pretty good. Goes and fetches a couple of pieces and stuff. It's pretty cool. But like I've lost so many games against Delver where like I draw two cards and I can't like I just try and cast them. They obviously usually get dazed and they're just not good cards there. But it's so good in some matchups like eight cast, the mirror obviously, uh death and taxes especially. And it's it's my game plan against like storm decks. Like um not necessarily Doomsday, but I do bring it in there. But like the Epic Storm and Ad Nauseam Tendrils, my whole game plan is resolve a Khan. So I want I wanted three in the seventy five, and I usually just played three main deck, but I realized like I could actually just have one as a sideboard card. So that's why he's there. I think it makes sense to me, and I'll keep trying that. I have got some comments on how few artifacts there are in the sideboard, and they're actually mostly just to sideboard in for as a saga or goblin engineers. I found that Khan like you don't you don't need a lattice, you don't need like these sky sovereigns or these big things. You don't need this stuff. He basically finds. Liquid Metal Coating or Grindstone or Pithy Needle or Tormod Script every single time I was playing it. So that's why that's the artifacts in the sideboard now. And at the end, Torpor Orb. So there's two Torpor Orbs because I want to site against Death and Taxes and Doomsday. It is just your whole game plan. So you sideboard into Engineer 4 and you leave one in the sideboard to Khan 4. That's smart. Otherwise, I just side all the other artifacts in, basically. Ooh. So I think that Dude. covers it mostly. So I'm going to hopefully get everyone playing Painter and like... Yeah, I think that, I think this um, deck is is getting to be like into a pretty good spot, but I'll keep jamming it. Like if I went to tournaments soon, I'd definitely be playing it. I believe in it enough to play in big events and like a GP and stuff. So that'd be cool. Awesome. Sh- should we go over the people who apparently didn't play Painter in the Le- <laughs> Legacy yes. Monthly? I, I've just realized I'm just rambling about Painter for God knows how long. Uh, you you mean, can't do this I to think me, people Julian. love Painter. <laughs> Painter is one of those decks, like, is there anybody really out there who's like, dude, I hate Painter with a burning passion? Like, it's, that doesn't really exist, right? Everybody no, I, I, I hope not. I hope not. It's, such a, it's just such a cool deck. You know, that at least one person listening to this right now is like, dude, you have no idea, my friend, he plays it every time, turn two, turn two, I hate it. Maybe if they play Eldrazi, they'll really hate it, because Painter turns off um, Eldrazi Temple and Eye of Ugin. Yeah, so. and Magus of the Moon basically makes it so that they can't ever cast a spell, almost. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, so maybe, maybe, they, maybe Eldrazi players hate it. Right, cool. I'll run down the rest of the top eight, though, because we had a really cool one. Like, I'm not just saying that to hype up events. Like, this was such a sweet top eight, um, a different deck in every single spot. So in second place, we had Stephen Walsh playing eight cast. I want to give him a special shout out because it was his first time at one of these events, and he was just lovely to play with, lovely to meet. And I think he said he's like newer to Legacy as well. He didn't come in with like high expectations, but he just crushed it, man. He he lost one game in the Swiss, but then one out, I think. Maybe he ID'd the last round. Either way, he just did really well. And watching his games, he played really well as well. Um, he was using the deck list, the eight cast deck list of the guy that won a bunch of challenges in a row that we'll cover quite soon as well. Really cool to see Steven do well here. He'll, so he'll be back, hopefully. You, you actually crushed the Cinderella story. He would have gone all the way. I know. There, there's literally the guy organizing <laughs> the tournament in the finals waiting for him. He's like, uh-uh, not there, today. There's an in-joke of it being a rigged event, but I don't know, man. The, 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 the painter gods love me. In third place, we had uh, Nico playing Blue Red Delver. Also, big shout-out. So Nico, 
also his first time here and he's pretty young. I, I didn't want to ask age, but he played incredible. So we played in the Swiss like a for fun one and then we played in the semi-finals and he is seriously good. Like I play against good devil players always online. He just had such a good he, he had to ask me what painter does and stuff. He had never played against painter before, <laughs> but he just like as soon as I told him what the combo does and how the cards interact, he just like you know when someone just gets it, they just understood it completely. And then game one in the Swiss, I did that thing where I had a bridge and then he's just like, he's got two DLCs out. He's plowing through his whole deck. And then finally he goes to bounce it with two Murktides in play and I try and blast it. And he, he has the force. He was like, God, yeah, I had the, and I was like, oh, you just found the Brazen Borrow. It took you a while. He's like, no, no, I had it the whole time. I was waiting to find a force as well. You like, just gets it. So smart. Yeah. So he is really good. We'll see more of him. Definitely. That's so cool, right? Every time you play against somebody you've never seen in paper and they're like super young, yeah. And they, they have to ask you about rather known legacy cards, right? Yeah. And they are playing Delva. You know they are killers. They are Stone totally. Cold killers. I know I'm going to lose to him loads in the future. It's one of those things. You're just like, yep. Cool. So hopefully you see more of Nico. Uh, in fourth place, we had Ant, uh, Chris Grimsey playing Ant. Proper old school Ant. Well, it's actually... So it's got two, two burning wishes. So it's kind of like the demonic tutors, I think. So... Shout out to Chris. He comes to basically every event. Love to see him top eighting. He's just awesome. Fifth place, we have Daniel Jovic playing Jeskai Good Stuff, I called. So I wasn't sure what to call it. It's like actually Jeskai Tempo Control. It's just like Jeskai Good Cards. Nobody's really sure what to call Jeskai Dex no, these days. No, it's like all the good cards with a bunch of removal and planeswalkers and then Merc Tides and Mentors. It looked pretty potent. He had some games where you just slam a Mentor and then go off and Merc Tide can obviously do a similar thing. Okay, so he, he, he was much more aggressive. So it's not like the days and doing thing. No, no. It's going through the face. Yeah, so uh, yeah, he's got two Snapcaster, two Mentor, three Murktide, and then three Narset, three Teferi. Zero days undoing, so one Dress Down, then a bunch of normal stuff. When Ragamon was banned, this was the kind of chess guy deck I ran into on Magic Online like right afterwards, and I felt mm -hmm. like, huh, this could actually be really good. Yeah, like, it... This has so much removal, such an insane amount of removal, and it still gets to play Murktide, which is basically the best creature right now. Yeah. It's... Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's more to it. I mean, it probably still gets wrecked by some stuff that I'm not considering right now, but I, I always had a feeling ever since I saw that deck um, after Ragavan Band that's like basically what you just described, right? Just guy good stuff. Just yeah. guy mid-range, whatever. C could could be an okay spot. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it looks great to me. Then sixth place, we had... You're going to have to give me your first impressions. We have Sean Goddard, who if people don't know, he's like... Yeah, you know, does well in every big event. He was at the Mox last month or something. He always plays Blue Red Delver. He just always plays the best deck and he always wins massive events in the UK. And his friends said, we are really sick of you having to, like, you know, do well and winning or coming second. Uh, we have to wait around in the car to drive back. So they built him a deck and he agreed to play it. So they built him Esper Lutri. And obviously he's all <laughs> top eighted. Oh, God. And and for those who don't know, by the way, um, I actually had to look it up again because I almost couldn't believe it because I remember Lutri as the as the companion that basically says you can't play more of one card that's the same, right? Other yeah. than, I guess, basically, no, non-land permanence, it says. Yeah. So it's basically like an EDH deck except for non-lands, yeah. uh, except for lands. Man, I have a way of, like, badly explaining things. That <laughs> no. Like an own YouTube show for that. <laughs> it, it's, it's like EDH apart from you can play lots of lands that you want. So yeah, I've got the deckless in front of me. It's uh, it's so it's basically Esper mid range with loads of good cards, and then there's like a Stifle and a Spell Pierce and a Thought Scout. There's the Wondery Emperor. There's a Jace, Teferi, Liliana, Murktide, Timeless Dragon, Spellseeker, Hull Breacher, 
<laughs> he has a, he has Gerard's verdict in the deck. Wait, Gerard's verdict. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. Isn't that the the, the, the discard spell? <laughs> yeah, from Apocalypse. The, <laughs> the last time I've seen that one oh was literally God. 15 years ago. Yeah. And and I think um, let me guess. I think if the like the opponent, it's three mana and the or, or is it two mana? No, and it's, the opponent it's a, has. It's a black and a white, and target player has to discard two cards, and you gain three life for each land card discarded this way. Yeah. Do, I think he said. <laughs> I think he said he cast on himself against Delver to gain some life. It was pretty cool. <laughs> so this, oh, this that's is how out of the box thinking. This is how you top eight with uh, Espelutri, like these kind of plays. <laughs> so people ask him, "Hey, what is Charak's verdict for?" It's like, "Oh, it's my life game spell." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just discuss some of your own lands. So um, I'm excited for that to get posted on Goldfish, and hopefully, like you know, people run it through the leagues and see what what it can do. Um, it's quite it's quite a pile. Uh, seventh place, we have Bant Food Chain played by Arta. Again, I love all these guys. He 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 has a habit of donating cards into the prize pool when whenever he comes to these. So he gave like a recruiter of the guard, and we gave that to ninth place for coming ninth on breakers. That's very cool. cool. And finally, we have the boss himself, Ethan Richards, playing goblins, ignoble goblins, because with the ignoble hierarch. And in case you don't know, this is Boss Krenko, so the real goblin king. Uh, on after Eli, obviously. So um, it's. Pretty pure goblins, like it's what you expect. There's two muxes, two twin shot snipers, it's cool as well. But then loads of goblins, bunch of lands, and an Ewig squad in the sideboard, which is sick. I'm so, and speaking of sick, I'm so sick of playing against goblins on Magic Online. Like, you <laughs> really? can't even tell you. I have no idea what to, like, I can't really put my finger on it. Uh, like, obviously, goblins got a lot of, like, cool cards over the last couple of years. But whenever I'm playing elves against goblins these days, it's not that easy, seriously. No. Like back then, like we used to fear, like, I don't know, like War Chief into Goblin Sharpshooter, and yeah, that's bad. But then you still had like progenitors, you might still get them. But these days, they, they get out of control so quickly. And with the Sling Gang Lieutenant, like they, yeah. they kill you out of nowhere sometimes. The I lose to goblins basically every time with painter. It's a it's just impossible. Like the worst thing is when they cycle um gem palm and they kill your welder with none of their goblins in play. It just says goblins in play. It's just like, oh, dude. Oh, I can't see other ones. As well. Oh, my <laughs> <Yeah>. God. <laughs> I, yeah, it's just, but I just lose to that fucking goblin trash master. I'm like, it's the most conflicting thing because I love goblins, but man, that card wrecks me. It's just, it's just impossible. So, yeah, goblins destroys me. It's, it's one of Painter's worst matchups, definitely. So, um, hell yeah, goblins. Love, love to see it. Would you bring in Troll Barb against them? I guess that that's okay. No, because the, the Trash Master just kills it. Oh. Uh, because like, I was like thinking actually, like may, Major may, and Maxis. I would, and I would stuff. bring in one to Engineer for, yeah. Because it stops yeah. Munitions Expert, Muxus, Sling Gang, Twin Shot. Ringleader. Ringleader. Yeah, I would bring in one. Like, because then, yeah, it stops the Matroning for. Yeah, you're probably right, actually. Maybe I'd bring in both to stop Matron for the Trash Master. But he would, ju- he would just draw it naturally. And we just um, solved the matchup. <laughs> no, we, not really. we had a really good, we had a really good like anecdotal thing. So me and Ethan were playing an EDH game like a, a year ago or something. We just decided to put together like very medium power levels, and he has like a black red goblins revolve around sacrifice. And so I was playing an artifact based deck, and um, he draws the the trash master naturally, and he plays a turn four, and I just get destroyed. And so we laugh and shuffle up for another game, and then I say, okay, look, if you draw your goblin trash master, you have to put it to the bottom of the deck. He's like, okay, fine. We have to discard it. But he's playing Grenzo, where you pay two mana and you put the bottom <laughs> card of your library into your graveyard. And if it's if it's a creature, you put it into play. And so, swear to God, he just like plays his commander, activates it, and the fucking trash master on the bottom of the library, and he gets it anyway. <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah, whatever, dude. <laughs> so yeah. Oh man. 
Anyway, I've rambled about LLM for a good half an hour or so. Again, congrats to everyone. I love running these events and I love seeing the diversity of the top eight. And I want to talk about them more on the podcast. So we'll we'll cover them. Yeah, we, we, we actually surveyed the, the Discord and I think people, and actually also like every once in a while people send us messages or ask about hey how do we how do we start these grassroots tournaments right because i think to a lot of people it's still quite surprising that these tournaments um exist independently of the well you can't really say organized play circuit anymore right it's, it's, that's, yeah. that's not really a thing yeah, like it's sort of thing. it's really players taking whatever they want into their own hands and making that happen because it's not really like i i can't even blame an lgs for like not running legacy tournaments if it's like not for them no no absolutely but yeah we, we want to make that happen and in, in your case and in, in the case of like here in Freising, it, it really happened and it's such a big thing and yeah. I think we, we might actually talk about that on maybe the, even the next episode. Yeah, I reckon let's let's say pretty likely the next episode we'll go through our experiences playing them, running them and then I'll make I'll get a bunch of notes together compiling, you know, how you can do it yourselves and my advice because I've made a bunch of mistakes along the way and so I can definitely pass along oh, The mistakes, are the, that's the best part <laughs> Mista- like The mistakes yeah. are the ones you learn from Absolutely. I mean, the the most obvious one is trying to get a venue. I went around to like hotels asking about prices for hiring things out. Nope, just go to a bar. They will happily give you a free bar for people buying their food and drinks. So it's it's awesome. things like that. Yeah. But, but which part of London is it in, by the way? It's in like North London now. So um, it's in this shop called Rogue's Quarter. So it's um, near Camden, basically. So middle North London. I know Camden. That's Camden Market, right? Yeah, exactly. So pretty close yeah. to there. I will never forget that place because I was supposed to host like a really huge Kenya event at the Shaka Sulu. <laughs> and then I, you I literally couldn't. So, yeah. You know that place? Is it good? I haven't been there, but I know it. Yeah, it's, it's supposed to be like really good, but then mm-hmm. like things happened and we couldn't make it happen. And ever since I've been like ever ever since then, I've been wanting to go there because it, it looked so cool and all the stuff that we prepared one day. Hashtag not sponsored by Shaka Sulu. <laughs> <Yet>. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, do you want to talk? tell us about um, etc. and Freising? Yeah, etc. and Freising is another one of those those independent events, right? And I'm I'm not involved with organizing these things. I just like occasionally hype them up on on Twitter when whenever the next ones are coming up. And the cool thing is, people actually told me about um, that they found out about the event whenever I posted about that. And I didn't even think that would be a thing. But after finding out that people are sometimes traveling like three hours, three and a half hours to come to these events. I mean, it makes sense, right? That because all the locals know about it, but then everybody who's like slightly further away, they didn't know about it, and they tweeted about it. And, and absolutely, yeah. I I used to keep it very like these LLMs very contained within uh, London. We ha- I, we have a Facebook group where I post about things. But then I thought, you know, I should post, I should tweet about it and stuff because it might get other people. And so we since then we've had more people come from the rest of the UK. So I need to push it more, and you know, yeah, they'll come. Yeah, awesome. So yeah, for this event, uh, I didn't go there, but. 57 players showed up. I think they had 63 pre-registered, which is basically the cap right now, because at this point, it's full. Like, they they can't fit more than, I think, like, maybe a little bit over 64, but 64 is usually, like, the cutoff. And and that's just, like, that blows me away. Somebody even mentioned, like, is this the biggest legacy tournament in, in Bavaria or southern Germany for, like, quite a while? And I know that there have been others, uh, what are they called, like in Aalen and the um, Winner Duel in Tübingen, but at least in Bavaria, that, this might even be like the biggest legacy tournament oh, for, for almost a, a decade. For a grassroots thing, this is amazing. 57 players, it's just great. Yeah, we, we even get like the, the guys coming over from uh, um, Austria, shout out to those guys. 
And who knows who else is going to come in the future. This is this is so amazing. Mm -hmm. And uh, <laughs> as if you couldn't already guess it, uh, do you know who won? Of course you know who won. I, I do know, so I can't guess. Yeah, um, but if you want to guess, anybody out there, Mark Vogt won. And if you don't know Mark, Mark is the last legacy GP winner thus far. Mark is, and that's that's even selling him short, right? Mark has won. Like, when he yeah. was on the show, I think I announced him as probably one of the five best legacy players I have ever met in my life. And I'm really not selling him short when I say that. So, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> Mark came, uh, saw, and conquered once again. I think he already <laughs> won the last event. I'm not sure. Uh, but he 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 does really well in these events. Um, and he played four-color red, I guess. That's what we call it now. The basically barn deck splashing red for Pyroblast and Static Caster. Mm -hmm. And yeah, looking at the deck, it's, deck list, it's pretty straightforward. I think the one cool thing that he's been playing for quite a while is uh, Archmage's Charm. That's, he, he that's loves just that like card. the flex slot. Yeah. Even when we had him on the podcast, like it feels like a year ago, he was talking about that card and how he targets Doom play Doomsday players all the time and stuff. Doom players. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> the other thing that jumps out to me in his deck is he has three Force of Negation main deck. I feel like that's been like dropping off a bit in in control decks. Yeah, yeah, it's it's basically like the the seven force package, right? People used to do that a year or so ago, or even longer ago, but I haven't really seen it all much ever since. Does Anorak still play like seven forces main? I think he plays two, maybe one. But he's he's so busy traveling the world and like bringing his paper coverage, nobody yeah. really knows at this point. Oh, he does is so good. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. So. Yeah, but uh, actually, let me see how many libraries he plays. Two libraries. Yeah, yeah. I mean. This is also something that we're probably going to talk about um, when it comes to 8-cast. Like, the more insane card advantage you have in a deck, the more you can afford to do that, right? That's basically... Well, yeah. It, it makes sense, but you still gotta explain it, I guess. <laughs> and if, so if you feel like, hey, if, if I can just, like... Yeah, I might go down in 2-for-1s, but basically it's a tempo play at that point, and I know that once I get to, like, the 3rd, 4th, 5th turn and there's nothing scary happening, even if I'm, like, down a card... I just have so much more power than you do, and yeah. and this is how I'm gonna get there. I mean, Uro just negates the card disadvantage so much. It gets oh, you yeah, to, true. It gets you to where Uro is in play, and then then you start winning. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 Uro is just like time walk. I, th I think <laughs> I think Uro has also become like you know most most of these decks were playing three, and Mark's playing four, and so it's just an easy card to pitch when you have multiples of, and it's and the ex the, the copies you then play negate the force negation downside. So. Yeah, he's just gone heavier on that aspect, which I think is really good. Another aspect of that, when you play three Force of Negation in the main, you don't have to put any more on the sideboard, right? Because usually that's something you see in these kinds of decks that you then either see like two more copies or sometimes even like three more copies of Force of Negation aside for mm -hmm. the ultra-fast combo decks or something. And Mark can really... Like, what else does he have against fast combo on the sideboard? Like a guess of Lusterstorm, if you want to call it, against fast combo? Yeah, and... the, the deck's just like... It's just a lot of cards do... A lot of a bunch of things in a lot of matchups. There's nothing super targeted I see apart from like meltdown. Yeah, that that, that is Callum written all over it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He was so scared you <laughs> might take a flight, right, and, and try to compete. <laughs> Wait, he knew Marius would be there. That's true. That's true. Yeah. But yeah, Mark's not the kind of guy I know to like meet against individual people in these events at least. No, I don't. But yeah, that's that's kind of cool. He basically played against Marius in the finals, so we only played um, a Swiss event. But in the very last round, Mark and Marius were the only ones undefeated. Like, Mark had won every single match. And Marius had almost won every single match, but he had a draw against, I think, some version of Food Chain. Mm. So they 
they had to play it out. They couldn't ID or anything like that. So we, we basically called it the finals, even though Marius didn't end in second place after losing that one. But that's that was kind of like the feeling of the match because the winner would take it all. Yeah. And yeah, Marius playing Painter. I think we already went um, over his list. We already covered it in the previous um, podcasts. Uh, I think the biggest difference, like you already mentioned, is the, the very different approach to the mana base and that he plays for Ancient Tomb and for City of Traders. I think he also plays four, yeah, four Lotus Petals and two uh, monkeys. What yep. are they called? Simeon Spirit Guides. Yeah. So his mana is, well, I, I don't know if it's better, but it's a different approach to it. It's also with the Blood Suns, which make yeah. the City of Traders much more playable. And that's also how he can afford the four Karns. I feel like he, this deck is a lot worse versus Delver. Maybe his, maybe he has a different experience, but the way I see it, it's, it's going to be a lot worse versus Delver, but it's going to completely ruffle stomp like random eight casts random decks he'll he'll crush the mirrors if it comes up and stuff like that like fast cons do just win games and fast mana wins games as well so you, you do just combo people quickly a lot of the time so yeah it's just a different setup and you'll be better at different things if he doesn't play much delver i can see this deck just like crushing almost everything it meets yeah <laughs> <laughs> dude that's uh, one more reason to play painter like i, I already like it when a deck is it's there and it's like i mentioned like it plays cool magic right but i also yeah. like when there's like different takes to it that you can like configure right like how we we've had this this discussion for example about elves in the last one and a half years whether you should go more like mid-range or more combo heavy and you you, you can try to, to to pick the spot where you want to be with the deck at, at a given meta game and yeah. i guess you can also do that for for painter it's not well, like man, super set and sound like i don't know sh you should come into the discord like mono white is a real version as well there's people playing naya so like I mean, there's a guy playing Seed Time constantly as well. Is Seed Time the card? Yeah, and like it's beating the, the, the extra turn card if your opponent played. Oh, because yeah. you got paint. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's so good. Oh man, um, but this like, is one the, of those cards you know that people sometimes randomly find out Scryer for, and they're like, "Why is nobody playing this card in Legacy? Yeah. What the fuck is going on?" <laughs> it's pretty pretty nuts in Painter, but like there's a version like splashing uh, green for once upon a time Sylvan Library and like some chokes in the sideboard, and then white for um, I don't think it plays Oswald, but like um, Portable Hole and something and Aethys on Canonist, and then yeah, like some Groves and Punishing Fires as well and stuff. Like, there's just so many ways to play it come aboard julian come aboard anyway yeah. let me let me not distract I, you from the the top eight of phrasing i i feel like i'm i'm so on board with so many decks in legacy because i just love them so much there, yeah, there's yeah. really very few decks that i don't love and you know which kinds of decks i don't love oh <laughs> uh, yeah like place. five color control <laughs> yeah that's my that, that's the one i go to bed with like i have it in my deck box and i take it to bed and i fall uh, asleep it's like oh five color control and tomorrow i'm gonna splash Eldrazi's. yes <laughs> <laughs> love it cool so second place philip streich philip played he he calls it okay he, he actually picked a proper name um he called it food chain goblins and then on the decklist he also calls it mono upfart which is an hilarious name see i just hear mono fart yeah it, it <laughs> upfart <laughs> basically means like departure like mono departure but upfart basically we say that when when you're like ready to go into action it's, yeah. it's like I'm I'm mono going into action if if that makes sense, and yeah, food uh, chain goblins, man, what a sick uh, deck! Apparently, that's a thing again, right? Oh, and he has three fury as well. That's so good with food chain. Oh my god, I hate it so much, man. <laughs> Be, <laughs> quiet. Against, Be quiet, against this, player. Yeah. Oh my god, can you imagine this? Turn one ignoble hierarch, and your opponent plays something dumb like a heritage druid, and then you just go like turn two food chain fury pitching whatever the fuck. Exile to food chain, then cast a Muxus. Oh, <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> yeah, dude, you, you could also do something like, I don't know, you exile it, you use some of the mana to cast Ringleader, then you get a ton more creatures, then you exile a Ringleader, do something like, oh god. Well, you can also, <laughs> just, you can also just go Matron, Matron into Matron into Matron into Matron, nets your mana each time, and then you grab the Muxus. So stupid. It's so good. I, I feel like I, I think I've said I love it twice and I hate it once, so I guess that balances <laughs> out. It's just the yeah, just the legacy way. Screamy mortal. That, oh. That's another one. Yeah, I guess it works really well with the food chain. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Man, this oh, deck is sick. Yeah. Four Cavern of Souls, four four ancient tomb. Oh my god, I love it. Yeah, yeah. Is that how you do it in these days in goblins? No, yeah. it's, it's for food chain, I well, guess. Yeah, for food chain in the ancient tombs, yeah. Um the other really cool thing you could do, um Ethan. Uh, Boss Krenko has played Food Shape Goblins in London quite a bit, and he usually played Chromoxes and four Squeeze. So what you can do is put Squeeze under Chromox, and then when you're done using the mana, you just cast it from Exile. And for those who don't know, by the way, once you cast the Squeeze, um, the Chromox doesn't produce mana anymore. Yeah, yeah. That's something I missed the very first time I saw it. Yeah. Did you know in um, in Painter, if you put like a red card under Chromox and then name blue, that is a volcanic island. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, this deck oh, is sick. Well done. And it has the, the green splash as well for Masked Vandal. I guess that's just like a thing now in uh, in yeah. uh, Legacy as a whole. Masked Vandal is very stock now in Goblins. It's really good there. Like it, they they really struggle with um, culture complete, especially so it exiles that. Well, what happened to Tin Street Hooligan? I I know that it doesn't really work with. Um, Goblin Warchief, but actually we're not even playing Warchief here anymore. Uh, Tin Street Hooligan destroys, and so the problem is... Oh, it's not... Oh, and the other yeah. one, Exiles? Yeah, Mass Vandal Exiles, so Exiles Calder are complete. This oh, is, that, makes, that makes so much more sense. This is like this is the reason they play it, basically. Because otherwise you have access to Goblin Trashmaster and stuff, or or whatever. Um, uh, Kratuf. Not Kratuf. Uh, Kratomaker. <laughs> yeah, but they, they need to exile stuff, so that's why they have it. Cool. So, next place, we got which place is third place, Richard Grobosch. Uh, it's actually, I was going to pronounce him Richard. It's so weird to to, to name German names on <laughs> English podcast. <laughs> maybe he's, maybe he's uh, actually English. I have no idea. Richard or Richard Grobosch. And he is playing Death on Texas without Yorian. Can you believe it? Oh, shit, it is. And four Leyland Sights in the sideboard. And three Sanctifier and Vec. Yeah, he, he, maybe he's a priest or something. He, he just like... <laughs> yeah. yeah, sanctity, sanctity. <laughs> Ether Swan Containment sanct priest. Ether Swan Sanctitis, deafening sanct... Yeah, <laughs> something like that. Stony Silence, you know, when, when you take a wow of... How do you call that? Being mute or something? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Man, yeah, this is this is pretty straightforward, right? I guess it has the new cards. Uh, a, the, basically, the land that not, ever since the beginning of time, nobody knows how to pronounce a, a Ganjo. A Ganjo Castle. Yeah. A Ganjo Castle, yeah, but now well, it's Seed of the Empire. Yeah, that's a good card. It's good in DNT. Very nice. Yeah, I, one copy I of Lion Sash. Yeah, I like seeing 60 card Death and Taxes. It's like, uh, I had a friend reach out saying he's missing a few cards for Yorian. What should he do? And I was like, just play 60 cards. It's like, Yorian is better, definitely. It's it's clearly been proven by like Luanil and XJ and stuff, but 60 cards is still very good. It's still a great deck. It's also. I don't know, we talk about this, right? If there were, like, dual decks that people would release to... If Wizards, like, was to do that, I think oh, Death yeah. and Texas would need to be one of the dual decks that you would release to, to get people hooked on Legacy. Oh, absolutely. So it has to be, like, reserve this list. So they'd do D&T, maybe Painter. Uh, Depths, probably. Um, they'd find a combo deck somewhere. Show and Tell, probably. Yeah. But how could you do that? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I think so. Isn't Show and Tell on the reserve list? I have no idea. No, it's not. No. It was printed as a promo, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, you do like Omnitel with cunning wishes and stuff. Yeah. I don't know. That's another conversation. <laughs> but yeah, he's got a Thalia, Heretic Cathar in here. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's always like when when you have these decks, right? Sometimes you got like this one slot and you're like, you know, I'm going to play the cute card. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and then it totally wrecks me with elves. And I'm like, dude, what the fuck? <laughs> I, I love like hearing these conversations of people at XJ and stuff saying like, oh my God, slots are so tight in Yorian. And then in 60 cards, it's like, here's a, here's a Heretic Cathar. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> uh, actually, but, but, but to be serious, like why are we actually playing the Leylands of Sanctity? I guess. I mean, obviously like a and Metagame against, yeah, Tendrils of Agony. Just... Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, but, but but seriously, where, where, where else do you bring them in? Like, I'm trying to to come up. Like, burn, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Could have just been, like, what he had hanging around on the day. That's how paper tournaments work. That's true. That's true. Yeah. And then so sometimes you randomly get somebody who's trying to cast intuition and they can't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Something random. Cool. Cool. Then we got fourth place. Hey, another old scooter here. Daniel Rehmann playing blue-green Omnitel. That deck is making some kind of resurgence. At least on Twitter, yeah. I see people talk about it a lot more often these days. Uh, looking at the list, it looks pretty straightforward. Usichu who endures. Yeah, it's just like that shows up everywhere these days. Mm -hmm. Two zone in the sideboard is kind of cool. Like that's meant to just beat the, the control decks and stuff. Yeah, and they also can't really get rid of it, right? Like yeah. how do you ever get rid of Paradox on most of the control decks. Yeah. I guess Teferi bounce and then counter or something. Yeah, that, or like if they're playing the Abundant Growth thing, they can make five minutes for a Prismatic Ending. But let's be honest, nobody plays the Abundant Growth list anywhere in the world anymore. That's true. That's that's <laughs> fair, that's fair. Maybe they have to bring in um, Force of Vigor for Omniscience or something. But Good. yeah, no, still, I it, it should just, that's the card for control, isn't it? Cool. Yeah. And here's, dudes, I, I just like I loved reading the top eight or even the top 16 of this event. There were so many people who I've, I've been playing Legacy with for basically 15 years. Um, like, I don't know, there were people showing up that I hadn't seen in many, many years or really only ever see at these rising tournaments who had gone mm -hmm. missing for almost 10 years. And all of a sudden, like, we have these tournaments and, and they start showing up again. I mean... The guy in fifth place, Daniel Shu, he he also like went to other tournaments, but uh, he he's also like one of those those names that I instantly recognize because he's so committed to twelve posts these days. It, it's funny. Um, Marius always tells me like what he he and Daniel Shu are like friends, and he always tells me like what Shu says about about the deck. It's like oh, it's so good, it's so good. It beats us, <laughs> it beats that. It's amazing, it's amazing. And he he's got like this this captivating nature of talking about a stack and like being super optimistic about it <laughs> yeah i love it i love that attitude and the deck is good now it's really good yeah from from i think into play tony murata right he, he's yeah. just like basically a fixture in every legacy top eight these yeah. days on, on magic under like they might even just like skip the swiss and put him straight in there <laughs> yeah yeah make the the eight cast guy win it and tony top eight <laughs> oh man yeah I, I, this is another like i kind of want to play uh, but just because, like, everybody says, oh, it's so good against everything except for, I guess, the fast combo decks. Like, everybody who, who posts lists, they're like, yeah, but we might struggle against, you know, 12 post. Or at least, like, 12 post is playable. Like, I thought maybe Delva is going to wreck 12 post, but allegedly it's not. No, the, the addition of endurance is really big. I guess he only has one main deck here. I think Tony plays more. Uh, three in the sideboard as well. Yeah, but, and four Carpet of Flowers, I guess, that yeah. helps out a lot. Oh, yeah, Carpet's and endurance against Delva. So good. Yeah, well, yeah. It does just seem like an, another one of these decks where it's been like maybe the time has to be right for it, but it's also been a bit underplayed and it's needed to be like worked on as well. And it's got some new cards. Let's, let's be real. Elvish Reclaimer is amazing in the deck. They've added once upon a time now. 
they have had some good additions to the deck in the last couple of years. Endurance, yeah. I guess except for Tabernacle, there's also no reserved list cards in there. <laughs> except for Tabernacle. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. <laughs> except for the, the new car. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just a little detail. And yeah. I'll be I'll be real. I've I've seen someone asking about can you play without Tabernacle? Like technically you can of course, but it is a huge part of the deck. Like you you lean on it a yeah. lot. Yeah. Most of the decks that play Tabernacle, like it's you really notice it when you cut it. It's just like a nature of how, how things work in these kinds of decks. Like you have crop rotation to find it, and it's usually yeah. a big part of the strategy. Absolutely. At least for certain matchups. Mm-hmm. So, sixth place, Marius Hausmann, the guy who keeps just coming up on every podcast because you <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's we, we should have like a TV series about Callum and Marius discussing Painter. <laughs> Every, your everyday paint up rose yeah, yeah. <laughs> good seven plays another guy who i've been playing legacy with basically since the beginning my first memory of christian reuschel is in 2006 or 7 i want to say i played enchantress and he was playing goblins like he's very much known for playing goblins in, in our area and i played solitary confinement and he had never seen the card before he read it he looked at his cars and he like almost like freaked out. He was like, I have no idea how to ever beat that. I cannot beat that. And yeah, <laughs> it was my first yeah. impression of, of, of uh, Christian. <laughs> that, that was amazing. <laughs> yeah, Legacy was a lot easier back then. Not with regards to playing, but with regards to like people being like, okay, I guess I can't win now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, but he he played um, Barnt Food Chain. That's a deck he has been playing for quite a while as well. Uh, it looks pretty straightforward, except for, dude's. People will give you so much shit for playing like three Ponda, three Noble Hierarch, but I guess yeah. he, at least he played like one Gilded Goose. <laughs> don't 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 release anything on the internet where it says three Ponda. Two swords to plowshares, man. <laughs> <laughs> loving it, absolutely yeah. loving it. And and I guess the discussion food chain lists is always like, what is your payoff? Like, how, how what are you gonna do with the mana? Uh, here we got the kill with Walking Ballista, and I guess Hydrate Crestus is also a kill because you basically you draw your entire deck with it, and yeah. can also gain infinite life. <laughs> Yeah, I guess you just draw into the uh, the walking blister. Yeah, recruit of the guard also gets you there because it fetches walking blister. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's all pretty. All the crisis. Yeah. I guess recruit is kind of cool that it fetches both a win con and a blue card to pitch to force if you need it, uh, or just a value card in crisis and stuff. It's pretty yeah. cool. Well, what the fuck, by the way? There's a snow covered mountain. I, I was just about to say that <laughs> for two two blasts and a blood moon. Oh, there's a block moon as well. Oh, okay. and they're back to basics. Now oh, that's quite the sidebar. <laughs> yeah, can, I we tr- actually, can we actually fetch that mountain? We have misty rainforest. Oh, we have four prismatic vista. Yeah, yeah, that's and then it. we have two flooded strand. I guess you gotta play the flooded strand because you play like forest island plains basics. I have to tell you a funny anecdote from. Oh, we have tropical island in the main as well. Okay, okay, this is getting wild. <laughs> yeah, um, I had a uh, I played against Bant food chain in the the quarters of our LLM, and I sided in the blood moons game two because I think. I l- Oh no, I did win game one. I just thought I like siding them in if I want to see if they fetch stuff and see if I can take them by surprise. If they if I do, then I'll side them out for game three. And um in game two, I don't draw one early, and he just fetches six basics, and then I draw one later, and like, holy shit, this is so embarrassing. But I realized my mana was like three ancient tombs, a city of traitors, and a mountain. So it just perfectly fixed my mana to win. There's <laughs> <laughs> no justice. <laughs> what are you doing with the card? Oh, it's just for mana fixing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect oh, cool, cool. And 8th place, rounded out by Chango, by, also known as Khan Weidemeyer. This deck is a throwback, holy shit. 
this guy is a throwback. <laughs> <laughs> Chango, like, I think Chango was around when I went to my very first Legacy GP, and then he, he is literally the guy I didn't see for 10 years, and then he showed up at, at one of those Legacy tournaments in Freising, and now he's basically been showing up to every single one of them, and he's, he's for his entire life, this guy has been playing Agrolome versions. Nice. I've never seen him play anything except for Agrolome. Like, for literally last 15 years, this guy has been Mox Diamond, Turn 1, Dark Confident, what have you. Love it, love it. Just a man of his craft. It's also a pretty old school list. Like, uh, it's got prismatic ending now and Kaya and endurance and a Besaju. But otherwise, it's still like, <laughs> yeah, dark confidence. Only one Queen's on Zenith, so that's a bit different. And only one in the other veil. Okay, fine. It's really different to like the classic ones. <laughs> I got excited by it. But um, he's still doing the thing, right? He has like tranquil circuit. He can just like randomly generate value with loam over time if you let him yeah. do his thing. Bar just... Baron Moore as well, Cabal Pit. He's got the depth oh. combo, all the cool <laughs> land stuff. Punishing yeah. fires that probably still in there, I would guess. Oh yeah. Yep. Two Is of it them. though? Oh yeah, there's yeah, two. Yeah. <laughs> Super cool. I love to see this deck. And so the old the old thing that everybody did back then, like two copies of Thalia in the sideboard. <laughs> yeah. There'd always be like two Thalia, two Ethersworn Cannonist. Uh, there's there's a Something one like that. Yeah. yeah. Man, this is so cool. Like I've I've seen the pictures of the event and the thing that blew me away the most is that um Bennett, uh, basically one of the guys who, who runs this, and he he tweeted about like the reserved uh, proxies are gonna kill legacy question mark. Yeah, I don't think so. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that tweet got like for a legacy tweet, right? And and he he got like 800 likes on that and like 50 retweets or something. It's absolutely insane. I, I did initially didn't even notice how how far that went. This is one of these again one of these things that like people will see and be like, holy shit, we can just organize our own things in a pub. And it's great. Yeah, I, I was I was absolutely blown away. Actually, let me look up how how big the etc account is on Twitter. Like this, just really to put it into perspective. Like the the etc account has sixty three followers on on Twitter, 60, and the tweet yeah. about the event got where is it? I gotta find it again. Eight hundred and sixty eight likes and fifty three retweets for an account with sixty three followers. This kind of reach is absolutely absurd. It really tells you like how much people liked it, and uh, yeah. I, I'm just blown away. That just that's crazy picking up, and everyone everyone likes a, a feel good story. Yeah, <laughs> and then that very much is is what is, what's that? And oh man, I I I am just so happy. We we definitely got to talk about that. I think Benny also mentioned he he would like to come on on one of the future episodes. Yeah, to talk about what they have done because I can only really like look at it from the outside because I've just like been playing there. But they have put in the work after over the last, I think, also like something like four years or so. Mm -hmm. So yeah, awesome. Don't expect to like host your next legacy tournament and all of a sudden like fifty people are gonna shop. But eventually, yeah. you know, who knows? It, it takes time. You need to get a bit of a name, and people need to find out it's going on. So, like our first ones had fifteen, twenty people, which was awesome for us. And then yeah, they do just pick up and get there. Cool. So with all of that paper that we've been talking about. Magic Online has been crazy yeah, during good the last couple of weeks. Paper again. Like, it's, it's so absolutely different. crazy. Yeah, eight cast, eight cast, eight cast. Yeah, Charden Maya, <laughs> uh, two M. Like, how do you pronounce it? Two Chim, whatever. Charden Maya. Yeah. He literally won the last three Sunday Legacy Challenge events. Like, what the fuck? I've not seen this before. That's crazy. Like, we've seen repeat winners, but we've never seen three peat winners. Yeah. Like, it's so funny, like, when you look at his Twitter, 
he's like, oh, I won the legacy challenge. And then like two tweets later, he's like, oh, I won the legacy challenge again. <laughs> and then like another two tweets, because apparently he doesn't tweet that often. It's like, yeah, turns out I won the legacy challenge again. Like, what is this Groundhog Day? What, what I love more about this is uh, Bob Huang, like when he won his first Sunday thing, Bob just posts like, what the fuck? This this guy's playing three Emery. There's no way that's right. But maybe it's maybe it's a fluke. <laughs> then he wins the next one. And I message Bob's like tagging him saying, hey, he won it again. And he's like, oh, yeah, it's still wrong. And now he's won the third one in a row. It's like, oh, maybe you should reassess. <laughs> <laughs> he's getting around to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> For what it's worth, Jordan actually mentions um, he he released a really awesome guide and we're going to link to it in the show notes, also to yeah. his Twitter account. Uh, I read that today. That was really, really well written. It's, it's one of those guides that's like not that doesn't have a lot of air on it. He gets like straight to the point about all the cards and the matchups and I really appreciate that. Yeah. And he did mention that Emery is one of those cards that's like so-and-so. There's matchups where you're not really too happy about her and, and you side her out. But of course, against like all the, the, the more gr the grindier decks, just even the, the additional card advantage you get from recycling bubbles, that, that adds up. And to me, just like the best feeling ever is when your opponent, and that's me speaking, but I guess he feels the same, when your opponent has a Merktides regent and you have a Thought Monitor and an Emery, <laughs> it's like, like yeah. they don't even want to attack because you can then replay <laughs> it and get the extra two cards. Like, it's so good. <laughs> But yeah, I I guess for those who don't know the deck yet, I guess most of you are familiar with like basically the Stompy Shell, right? Ancient Tombs, Lotus Petals. Uh, these days, Urza Saga is also part of that. This is basically Blue Stompy, right? We, we we haven't really had a Blue Stompy deck, um, but I guess we had it when when people played Urza, um, High Artificer. But before that, the last time we had a proper Blue Stompy deck was was um, Fairy Stompy with like Seadrake, who used to be the most expensive card in Legacy. If you don't know Seadrake, look it up. It really was. It was like 120 euros or something. <laughs> <laughs> but now now we got this, and oh, is it great? It's eight cast. Like like we mentioned, we have Thought Cast, we have Thought Monitor to, to enable everything. We have the four Forceful to protect it. We have three Scythe, uh, three Emery for, for value. And especially Scythe is awesome, right? Because our big payoff, and the, the biggest payoff, I guess I want to say, that the entire deck is a payoff in itself. But the one big payoff is Kappa Cannonier. And of course, you need a lot of artifacts to make that work. And once you have it, if you get more artifacts, it's going to get even better. And Psy basically doubles that, right? Every artifact you play, you get another artifact token that also mm -hmm. happens to be able to attack or block or tap for mana um, in, in Kappa Cannonier's case. Oh, I, I literally, like, I, I felt like if I want to talk about it on the podcast, I need to put it together. I mm -hmm. borrowed it from Card Hoarder last night. Holy shit, it was 1,400 ticks. Right? Must be cheap. It's monocolor, yeah. Holy shit. 1,400 is so much for Magical Line now. And I might have already had some cards, so maybe it's closer to 1,500 ticks. Like, it literally took the bot almost 20 minutes to deliver cards. I don't know whether <laughs> it's, like, value-related, but usually the, the, the um, cards are delivered, like, in a minute or two. It, I think, yeah, it takes time if it's harder to, like, get some of the cards, like Kappas and Lotus Petals and stuff. Yeah, I was wondering like whether they have an internal thing where they somebody has to check off, like basically double check when there's a certain value and they maybe didn't have somebody around. So maybe like a mm, transaction of this size might not be automated. I don't know. But the, the funniest thing is that actually they tried to deliver it a second time. Like they literally, they gave the cards to me and then like 20 minutes later, the bot messaged me again. He's like, hey, Julian, here's your cards. Oh my God. I'm like, which cards? So I, I typed like, yes. And, and they literally want to give me the same deck again. Damn. <laughs> so... Yeah, I wrote to them and, and they fixed it. Nice. That, that, yeah, that would have been a big mistake. Like, very costly. I basically, I said the same and thought the same. But looking back, it's really not all that different from any from somebody who signs up to the loan service and like basically takes the cards and run. In, in my case, it yeah, would have true. been even more profitable. But then again, that's not like, that's not yeah. what I'm here for. 
Yeah, that heck, man. I like I like I like the three can near a lot. Um, I think when we were talking about it when it was like first coming out and there was all this hype and stuff, we were like, "Holy shit, this card is broken, insane." It's a massive boost to the deck. Don't get me wrong. I like his number of three though, because when I tried it, I did find myself in positions where you know you have two in hand and you can't cast the first one. The second one feels even worse. I think three is absolutely the sweet spot for the card, and he's he's rightly nailed it there. Everything just looks great. And this is this felt absolutely smooth. Even the one-offs, like the other spell bomb is so cool. I, I didn't eventually get to do it because my opponent had reclamation stage, but I thought I was already locked out of the game and my opponent had um Frank, what's his name? I'm so used to like elf names for cards. Uh, Archon of Justice. Oh, no, Archon. Archon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Archon of Wailer's Reach. Yeah. And, but then <laughs> Goethe's Saga. Yeah, that's just like the name I counted initially, but it never <laughs> caught on. It's basically like the, the, the girl and mean girls trying to make Chumbo happen. That's that's funny because this, this is a bit of a deep cut, but um, uh, ERT used to troll the source and the DNT thread by calling Thalia Heretic Cathar Frank. And it pissed oh, everyone really? off. He was proving a point that. Um, I can't remember the exact point. It was about like you know, just giving all these cards uh, female nicknames. And he said, "Oh, well, you can just call them men as well." And he just pissed off the whole DNT thread by calling Thalia Frank. <laughs> I've never <laughs> anyway, heard about sorry, that. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> so yeah, um, I I thought I was already out of the game, but then Urza Saga can actually tutor up others by a bomb, and that can bounce Arcana Fighters Reach. Like I said, it didn't man- uh, didn't work out because I had to pass the turn. I didn't have mm-hmm. the blue mana yet. Oh, okay. And they they had reclamation sage, and I mean oh. reclamation sage rather wrecks you. <laughs> Spoil sport, not fun. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, this deck. I like I said, I only played one league. I got wrecked by Fs. Um, I got I think like turn two by Doomsday twice. Didn't hmm. even like get get to do a lot of things there. But all the other matches. I felt like I wrecked those decks, like absolutely wrecked those decks. Uh, yeah. There's just like so many things going on. If you only focus on the Kappa Cannon, you're, you're missing like 70% of the value that's going on in these decks. I like, agree. I've even been in posi- like many positions where I'm like, okay, I could actually like try to get a Kappa Cannon here down, but I could also just literally draw four cards. And then I drew four cards. And the next turn I drew four cards again. And I eventually just won with lots of Saga and the Kappa Cannon here was like an afterthought. That's it. I think you win either with Saga or just Concession with this deck most because people see the writing on the wall and they're just like you've drawn you've got like seven cards in hand and they've got like two or three left because you forced a couple of things and you have a chalice in play and it's just overwhelming the deck is completely just swarms you with stuff to deal with and yeah I like the situation that you describe, right? They have two cards left and you have seven after you forced a couple of things usually it's <laughs> yeah. like the other way around but <laughs> yeah, this yeah. thing it's spot on yeah it's it's exactly the play pattern <laughs> it's, it's it's a brutal deck when the good draws come together as well it's just it hammers you man it's just like it, it's again it's a similar thing i think these artifact decks have evolved to have a bunch of angles of attack as well so like here it has force for protection either offensively or defensively uh chalice is amazing you have the saga approach and like the shadow spear is especially good against delver and with just making big constructs as your whole plan against control you have all the thought cast of the thought monitors and emery it, the deck really, really grinds, and that yeah, that's just one of the biggest things. It just grinds so well. It just keeps drawing cards. Um, yeah, and at the same time, you know, you, you have these blowout draws where you literally you just like go turn one chalice. They have to force it. You're like, okay, whatever. It's like Psy, make a couple of tokens next turn, and and then Kappa Cannonier comes down. Uh, it, it's not like Kappa Cannonier is is not needed. Kappa Cannonier definitely is needed, especially if you get it down in the early turns where you literally your opponent, unless they you know fight over it on the stack. They, mm-hmm. they won't be able to interact with it for at least like until turn five or something for most decks. Yeah. And that's just brutal for a card that can't be blocked. Like Absolutely. M- most of the time can't be blocked. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like this extra hammer. Again, yeah, 
like it's very uninteractive and i think when it was when it first spoiled and stuff was coming out we were looking at ways of playing it with cavern to like you know make it uncountable because it was the only way to interact with it on the on the stack but this approach is just like oh you counted it okay i'll play another one or i'll just keep playing threats and i'll keep drawing cards <laughs> yeah. and i guess i'll play another one like fine yeah here's a sigh it's, it's like, absolutely yeah. insane yeah. so by the way something i learned improvise i thought i was gonna be a smart ass and I probably I would have done that in paper because I wouldn't be aware of it. But on Magic Online, it stops you from doing that. <laughs> Cap by Cannon, yeah, improvise. You can't do the old trick where you're like, oh, I tap my Lotus Petal for improvise and then I sacrifice it. No, it doesn't yeah. work like affinity. Yeah, uh, because it, it literally says in the, in the instructions, right, you can only do it after you are done activating mana abilities, which is like one of the weirdest wordings I've ever seen. But I guess that's how it works. I didn't know it said that, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, I was almost wondering whether they worded like that. Like improvise has been a lo- around for longer, but I almost wondered whether they worded like that because, for all I know, Wall of Roots is still backed on Magic Online. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and like improvise and convoke are kind of the same. And you can't, like in paper, you can tap your Wall of Roots for convoke and activate the activate the mana ability. But on Magic Online, as far as I know, you still can't do that. And I wonder whether they picked that wording for Improvise, which, you know, became a thing after the Wall of Roots bug was known on Magic Online, just to, like, so they don't have to code around that shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it could well be. If weird, different naming, uh, wording. Yeah, or making it more intu- intuitive for to newer players, I guess, because that's... Maybe there was something in standard that could do something similar, like Lotus Petal, I don't know. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for those wondering, you can't do that. Um, I I would have fallen for it in paper, but in Magic Online, it, it taught me the lesson. Yeah, you are not allowed to do that, mister. Yeah. Cool. Um, What I really liked about the deck, by the way, um, like I said, I only played a league, Crucible for Earth. Holy shit. Like, I played, I think, against two control decks, like one chess guy, one of those. Um, The other one was like one of those, those whatever you want to call them, four color red or something. Mm-hmm. And like Crucible of Earth is scary when you have Cru- the Saga coming back all yeah. the time. It's it's such a good engine. Um, this is a big game plan in the the white painted decks, actually. You have Oswald and you just like cycle a two drop artifact into Crucible. And um, yeah, you just rebuy Sagas. And, you know, very often like they'll eventually prismatic ending or something, but you at least got one Saga back off it. And if they don't answer it quickly, you can get second. And it's just... It's just a really strong engine. It's pretty cool with Ottawara as well. Like, you know, bounce something and then play it from the graveyard. Yeah, uh, Ottawara. Can, can we just, like, call it Ottawa for, for the, like, Ottawara? Ottawa, yeah. yeah, it's not too bad. So, okay, Soaring City. Soaring <laughs> Soren City. Soaring City. Soaring. <laughs> so, yeah, I know, but I want to be, I want to be Soaring City. I'm not sorry. It reminds City. me of like Sin City, which was like black and, like the black and white movie. Oh, and yeah. And Soren yeah. is black and white, so I want to be Soaring City. Very good, very good. You get a prize, gold star. Yeah. Okay. We'll <laughs> check mark on on the flavor part of the episode. Yeah, yeah, nice. We nailed it, man. Uh, so the the deck guide that Jordan wrote that's actually like really cool. So I definitely recommend anybody to check that out because it also has a really good sidebar guide. And mm-hmm. the thing that actually threw me off, the thing that I didn't do yesterday, um, he not only keeps in all the Force of Worlds against Darwa, he actually brings in additional copies of Force of Negation, and that's both for the control matchups as well as the Darwa matchups. Yeah, I love, love, love this bit of advice because when I was playing 8-cast first, I was just not doing well with it. I was like, I love these artifact de- decks. I think I get the sequencing, but I'm clearly doing something wrong. And I messaged Bob Huang and I was like saying, 
like I'm playing the deck. You're doing very well with it. Like, what am I doing wrong? And he he told me how he sideboards, and he said exactly the same thing: bringing all the forces against Delver and Control. And I was like trimming forces against Control and cutting them against Delver. And he's just like, no, 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 you're an idiot, dude. <laughs> you just um, you just you you cut. I can literally some of your like threats. hear Bob hearing that say in my ear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He didn't say those words, but yeah, gist of it. But I was like, oh my god, yes. Like it makes so much sense. I'm just so used to the the kind of the structure of force negation is bad against Delver, that's it. But the only way you really lose is Meltdown, really. Like, sometimes you get tempoed out and whatever that happens, but it's hard to happen when you're making huge constructs and then getting the Shadow Spear. So it really is like Meltdown, or sometimes a whole breach will really destroy you and you need to force it with it. But yeah, I think it's just fantastic sideboard advice. And I read the, the guide today as well, and everything just makes sense to me. I mean, as it should, because the guy's a master with the deck, clearly. So yeah, yeah. heavily I, I like that so much. You know, the, how I sometimes talk about um, having cards that do something is important. And usually, like depending on the matchups, I usually don't count forces as cards that do something. But if, if this is Meltdown, right, or, or the counterplay to Meltdown is such an inherently strategic part of, of your approach to the matchup, uh, then I can be on board with that kind of strategy. Like I've, I, I wouldn't be able to tell whether that's right or wrong, right? Like I would probably rely on people who know more about this than I do. Yeah. Like Jordan, <laughs> in this yeah, case, yeah, who exactly. knows a lot more. Yeah. Uh, but I, I can definitely see that. And I think the one thing that makes it work is the insane card advantage that the deck has. And that's always something I'm, I'm looking for when, when, like, when my deck has insane card advantage. But it also makes me usually tap my mana, and I don't have like other like proper instant speed things that interact with what my opponents does. I would love to have pitch counters because then I can like not only turn those those extra cards that I get into not suffering from card advantage after using the pitch counters, right? You you mm-hmm. you, you turn your card advantage into card parity, and you get tempo out of it. Yeah. And that's what the deck sometimes needs, right? If you if you untap with this deck after playing Psy, after playing Kappa Cannonier, uh, it's just like, it goes out of control. Like, I've literally had games where I just go like, okay, one blue mana, draw two cards, another blue mana, draw two cards. Okay, well, uh, Psy, do this, do that, play a bunch of more things. It's like, oh. Yeah, it's... And, it's, and then it, when you pass the turn, sorry to, sorry yeah, to interrupt no, you, no. and then you, when you pass the turn and you have another force up and you would think like, oh, I've, I've used force on consecutive turns. <laughs> like, I should be in a bad spot. No, you're in an amazing spot. No, you're just like, oh my God, my poor opponent. I actually feel a bit sorry for them. This is brutal. Because it's combining exactly what you said, tempo, and it's fast mana as well. So like those have just struggled to be alongside each other very much because fast mana often comes at a pretty big price of like lowest pillars of one-time use ancient tomb is just colorless mana and it hurts you force of will is card disadvantage but this is a deck that's just managed to combine the speed and the tempo of free counter magic and just have this kind of pretty well-oiled machine to mitigate the downsides of both and just you know throw these must answer threats at you so Yes, the question, how do we beat this? <laughs> uh, how do we melt- beat Chardon? Meltdown. <laughs> it really is like Meltdown, Collector Roof. Well, I wouldn't even say Collector Roof because Urza Saga is so good against these kind of null rod effects. Um, it is Meltdown, Seeds of Innocence. Um, I think Supreme Verdicts is actually also very good against the deck. It's slow. Yeah, that it's- kind of is actually somewhat annoying. But then yeah. again, I... like. I was going to say I played around it, but I saw it coming because I think I... Why did I see it coming? I Are think it bubbles? was Mishra's Bobble. Yeah, Mishra's Bobble, I saw the, it coming. The information you get from Bobbles is insane as well. You just, like, it racks up over time. You, sometimes you just know three cards in their hand and 
because you've seen one on top of the library and you've heard bubble twice and stuff, and then you you just get all this information and just feels like cheating sometimes. <laughs> yeah, you know, if your opponent doesn't know what the card does, and it's like, okay, let me look at the opponent. Like, what? <laughs> oh, um, again, in the in the, the finals, I played against eight cast in game three. We had like both traded resources. He had forced a couple of things and dismembered a goblin. And then I have a saga, and I'm like, okay, he's got two cards in hand and one land and a mox open play. I was feeling really good about my position because the sagas. I was about to untap, play my third land, make a construct. And he draws a Mishra's Borable and balls me. And he just puts his head in his hand. And he's like, oh, for fuck's sake, Callum. And it, and I'm like, it's a painter, isn't it? He's like, maybe it's a painter. And lo and behold, it's a painter. And he dies the turn after. <laughs> so, oh, dude. Yeah. That's amazing. So do, do you think um, a lot of people are actually going to play this? By the way, and before we move on to that, uh, I think in the in the deck guide, he pointed out that Cloud Post is actually really hard, right? Yeah. It's one because- of the hardest matchups for the deck. Because this deck does win with damage at the end of the day. Like, it's actually really weak to... It now has Ottawa, the Story City, which is pretty good. But it's pretty weak to something like an Ensnaring Bridge or anything that stops you attacking their life turtle. Now, um, Kalpa is so good at that because they have this game with Glacial Chasm and Thespian Stages and especially Reclaimer. You just keep, like, copying the, the cavern if you're running out of life and stuff. So I think that's how he he loses to it, like... Tony into play, he's he's just a master with Cloud Post as well. And I've got to feel like because they both top eight constantly, they they've got to be playing each other. So he's basically framing his his losses to Cloud Post as the really bad matchup. It's probably Tony. And I can see how Glacial Chasm is. This is like an pieces. enemy movie setup. It's like Tony <laughs> yeah. and Jordan keep running into each other. Yeah. And we need more legacy enemy movies. <laughs> it's basically like Yu Gi Oh, right? But with proper cards. Yeah, because <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just checking. Ottawara, the Soaring City, doesn't return lands, so his deck is actually just completely cold to Glacial Chasm. Is there nothing he can do? No. Uh, if if there's an Elvish Reclaimer in play, I guess he could bounce it and have a Chalice or Force, but like once it starts to get going, you just keep you know, having the Chasm in play for a bit longer, make your land drops, and then play, play a big Eldrazi. Yeah, that's the thing, right? The, the, the Cloud Post like, not only like stops your uh, offense, their offense, once they actually get there, like they go over the top of you. And yeah, absolutely. You, you also you can't attack their lands because that's not what you do in this deck. No. So yeah. I was wondering, like we were talking about this in Discord, like whether back to basics could be a way to fight back against this. Um I, I found myself in a lot of spots where back to basics would have been really annoying. Usually I was already ahead on the board, so it couldn't like be a random back to basics. You'd also have to have a way to basically clear the board of, of any offense. But then back to basics almost locks you out. And mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, there's other things, but a lot of the other things that you can do, they are more like sideboard cards, right? You mentioned uh, Meltdown, Energy Flux is something people sometimes talk about. Yeah. Uh, but back to basics is a card that people usually play in the main deck even. And that's one way. It's to... okay, but it's like... Yeah, it's not It's not great. The, the, like yeah. the, the, the trade-off is like you get to play in the main, right? That's, I guess that's so. the it, only thing. It is slow, but it's also like um, they have Mox Opal, which is kind of good against it and the deck just doesn't use mana that much it, it it's good at using mana but it doesn't need it that much and you're drawing so many cards you're going to make some land drops it's it's one of these cards where like it could steal some games and it's okay i yeah, yeah it's certainly not great no so it's probably like not it's not a reason to pick up a back to basics deck I yeah guess that, yeah i i really do think like meltdown and seeds of innocence are, are like they're just the best cards you can have against this Force of Vigor is really good. Just don't try and hit the like the cannoneer with four mana or something else. Don't give them a, a window where like you know they can get they've drawn enough cards and force. If if they play like a 
and there's a saga and any other artifact early just slam it off because i've definitely felt like um playing the deck i felt like if they just play a force of vigor early on it the deck really relies on getting a bunch of artifacts in play to be able to like kind of go off with the thought cast and thought monitors. So if you have a chance to kind of just like kill a seat of the Synod and a Lotus Petal at the end of your turn, even if they you know they can set the Lotus Petal for mana, you can't do anything there. So you just take you just take those kind of trades and you do it. And if you can stumble their early development, it can slow them down quite a lot. Yeah, um, that's actually like the cards that I've been hitting with Fossil Figure out of Fs the most. Like mm-hmm. usually something like Mox Opal and and Ursa Saga. Yeah. Or sometimes the odd like City of Traders in there. Uh Chalice of the Void not as often, but I guess that's that's just like a function of Fs not boring. Shepherd, yeah. Yeah. Like it's still a card that can randomly wreck you, but a lot of times um when I play against a deck, I, I just like wreck their, their mana. One little one little thing I'll say. If you're playing against Ursa Saga and you have instant speed removal, kill it in response to the first trigger. This is something that people just never do against me. If you kill in response to the first trigger, they don't get the mana out of it, and that can time walk them as well. Dirty little tricks. Yes, yeah. <laughs> no one does it against me, and every time I'm like, oh shit, I know they could do it, please don't do it, and they, they just don't yet. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's almost that, that, that weird moment, right, when you play like it's your second land, and you're like, okay, can I just have the mana? Okay, okay, let's Please, let's just... and then they kill it end of turn, and you're like, thank you so much. <laughs> Man. Yeah. By the way, have you seen like alterations of Kappa Cannon yet? Because I haven't, but I want to see Blastoise no. alterations. No, I haven't. That would be so cool. I mean, the card it, was literally happen. created to have Blastoise alterations. Yeah, it'll definitely be happen. By the way, when is it actually going to get cheaper? Because I, I actually have put um, in the price history because everybody has been telling me, oh, like the drop rate is actually relatively high for a card this expensive. Yeah, it's only and... 80 tickets or something now still. Awesome. I see. I still haven't... I've played it like for two leagues total. I thought I'd be playing this, this card constantly, but no, I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. It's still expensive. It's still silly. Maybe it's going to come down eventually. Like I trust people when they tell me the numbers say it's going to come down, but I, I just... It's been a month now or something. I hope they, it's gonna come down. I think I saw that they dropped. They they made the drop rate. Um, oh, they adjusted it. They adjusted it. I think so, but it's obviously not enough. But I think they did it once. Yeah, Jordan called it literally play to win on Magic Online right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Pay, pay, pay to win, not play, pay to, to, win. Win. We, yeah. we play to win. We always play to win. I don't. You try to avoid paying. To- By the way, in speaking of pay to win, did you did you see that Anorak discovered that there's literally a white white list on Magic Online? Uh, well, technically, yes. There's a there's yeah. a there's something called a whitelist. If that does what you think it does, is another question. Yeah, it does something else. <laughs> I think you're just trying to like yeah you know, get people rustled up. I just laughed when when that was like the biggest <laughs> meme and yeah. Uh, he I did see that tweet. He tweeted about it and then like oh, I can't remember who someone got up in arms about it. It was like you know this is really irresponsible to do. It's like dude, it's obviously not a real thing. Chill. Wait, somebody actually took that for like. Them seriously, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a you, you can pay Wizards money and then you get better top decks. Like, no, no, how would I, that even I think, work? I, I think they were just like, you know, you should know better than to post obviously fake things and like wind people up. And it's like, ah, it's just trolling, yeah. I mean, it wasn't even fake, it's like it's a whitelist, no, but I think yeah. the way I understand it, it's more like for the detecting bots as opposed to like real players or something. I don't know, that makes sense, yeah, yeah. So, in that sense, maybe we all are actually on the whitelist because Wizards by now thinks that our accounts are like real players. So, that's the perfect moment to sell them to. I don't I'm, even know what, what like illegal <laughs> yeah. bots would be doing on Magic Online. I don't know. I'm definitely on, like, you know, how can some person play so badly? <laughs> He's got to be a bot. <laughs> okay. Cool, cool. So, I think before we close it out, we, we have a question from um, one of our supporters, Franco Boli. And Franco is asking, 
what deck beats eight cast i think we already talked about that right but um he's asking for the next level like which deck beats the decks that beat eight cast and he's suggesting either elves or a hard control list with tons of dress down and terminus oh no no okay so i got it wrong so he he thinks elves beats that deck Okay, I've, I'm so... Um, <laughs> this is like... I actually blame Franco because this is like way weirdly secret. What, what he wants to ask is what deck beats 8 cast? And then after that, what deck... So after that, what's the deck that beats 8 cast? So maybe we say Cloud Post and I would say Painter. And then he says what's also then good against that deck? So Cloud Post or Painter or whatever. That's also not bad against 8 cast. That much I get. He suggests Fs and I can see that. But then he mentions like a hard control list with dress down and terminus. But that's not the deck that's supposed to be good against the deck that's good against oh, so eight maybe, cast. Maybe, but maybe it's elves, supposed to be elves is the deck that's good against eight cast, and then a hard control list is the one that beats eight cast and then good against elves. Yeah, yeah, that's why I got confused. So basically, mm. elves would be that kind of hard control deck, I guess he's saying. And is hard control good against either of these? I'm not even sure. Like, if hard I, I control is, so. is is good against the deck, yeah, like, I would, the I would say it's help. Not. Yeah, but dress down. Yeah, kills the constructs, and like it's it's good against Emery, kind not not really Psy, and kind of thought monitor because you cast a response, but it's good. You could put ahead. I think if you if you're trying to find a control list to be eight cast, you'd play like four hull breacher, and then a couple of days undoings. Go that approach. Hull breacher is really 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 good against eight cast. Yeah, I guess it's High Reacher um, or Narset. Yeah, yeah, either. But the thing is, like, you, you can still, like, use the bobbles to draw on the opponent's turn, but it slows the entire operation down a lot and it completely turns off Thought Monitor. Mm. Yeah, it is good. I don't, know if it, I don't know if it's, like, where I'd go to beat them. I don't know, Franco, come aboard the Painter Train. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Yeah, and then again, I guess from there, he's he's thinking Elf speeds those kinds of decks. But um, What about yeah. Hammer Mage Espervile? Oh god, dude! I, I streamed the deck the other week, right? You saw that. I didn't. It was amazing, yeah. and I I timed out. I I already <laughs> announced that I was going. I literally timed out in game two against Death in Texas, and I already announced it because I I have quite a lot of experience playing Espavile and Magic Online, and it literally is the only deck where from the very first turn I have to make myself play fast, otherwise I might time out in Wild Mirrors. And yeah. if I don't time out, then my opponent times out. Like, I literally think, <laughs> like, 30% of the, the games I played with in Wild Mirrors involving Espavile ended in somebody timing out and not, like, a win on the battlefield or something. They're just so and I knew it when I was going into the stream. And, yeah. Yeah. It's not even like the... Like, people say, oh, yeah, there's lots of triggers. Like, yeah, but you... Like, you can press F2 and then trigger's gun. This is a secret trick. <laughs> You're already here first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just, there's just so uh, many actions to take. Yeah. Yeah, so many things coming up and so many things neutralizing each other and, and oh, it's, it's, I mean it's part of why it's such a great feeling but if you if you already know it's going to be a problem if you haven't played the deck like I uh, haven't played it in, in a couple of months at least maybe half a year and if you if you're streaming it you know you're going to time out and yeah that I did in game two <laughs> but, but it's great it's a fun deck to play Hammer Mage man oh god Hammer Mage is actually really good against this yeah so I was thinking like Basically, because I'm also know I know that Franco has played a lot of Espavile, and so I could see like Espavile being built to be eight cast, um, especially with Hammer Mage, and I'm sure it can be Elves, right? You have good access to Plague Engineer. I know that that card doesn't just like solo the deck, but it's pretty damn good if you have a couple as well. Yeah, I think it's it's like 
a matchup where nobody feels like, oh, I'm getting wrecked. Both yeah. basically get to play. Yeah. So that would be my answer for him, which I think is reasonable. What do you think? Uh, I, I don't have enough experience with uh, playing 8-cast, to be fully honest. Like, I played one league with it, and I've looked into everything, and I'm definitely gonna gonna think that the decks that we mentioned are gonna be favored against it. But right now, I think that the bigger discussion is is always, like, which sideboard cards people are supposed to play, right? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that's... Does does feel it's like, also like uh, sorry to interrupt you there. It's yeah, also yeah. like in legacy you you don't pick up a deck because it's good against well maybe the best deck in the format. That's that's not how it works. Like you 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 play a deck that you generally think is in a good position in the format or that you like, and then you usually like build that deck with the other big good deck in mind. But it's it's not like in standard where there's like four decks competing and then you pick the one that beats like two and loses to the third. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I feel like at the moment, sideboard cards matter almost more than ever than in Legacy. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I, I can see that. Apart from maybe Delver, where I feel like a lot of the, the kind of fair decks are either playing eight removal spells to beat Delver game one, or and then they're like having loads of sideboard cards for combo. And I guess like some cards are trying to cross over a bunch, but I've never felt like whole matchups revolve around a cyborg card like Meltdown and you're siding in four force negations against Delver to beat the one cyborg card. I haven't seen that dynamic for, I don't know, I guess a long time, but maybe... Yeah, I mean, it used yeah. to be a thing in Modern, right? Like, Modern didn't, didn't have pitch counters, but the, the whole idea of cyborg cards being much more important used to be a Modern thing. Yeah. And people, like, usually said that as a negative thing, but it doesn't really feel that like like that no, in Legacy right now. I don't think so either. Like, maybe maybe had things like, like some random stuff were really good against Show and Tell or Storm, but it was always like pyroblasts against show and tell, or I don't know, just yeah. Flash Speaking of storm, storm. Um, just to do uh, justice to our our mission of keeping people updated, it looks like A and T, um, or even like T and T, which is like A and T playing Burning Wish, is mm-hmm. kind of coming back. It's like I've seen it quite often recently. That's um, I don't know his actual name, but Demonic Tutors. He's a guy that streams mostly modern. He is just like always played, and uh, it's his thing, I guess. And I think he's he's played it for quite a long time. He's clearly like an old school player for a while, and um, he did well in a challenge. I think maybe won or came second in Saturday last week. And so I think in our London, I'm pretty sure the guy who came fourth with Ant was playing his list. I think. And I, I still just run into it a lot online. Like, people just love playing Storm decks, and I think it's great. It's such yeah, a it's funny. Like, so many of the old A&T masters, they've moved on to Doomsday, and now the, the new school players are coming up. Yeah, uh, yeah. Maybe not even new school, but at least new faces. Yeah, they're just like, what, what the hell are you guys doing playing these silly, like, fishes and stuff? <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, uh, by the way, before we close it out, um, there I think starting today, they they once again have these all access tokens, right? That you can get for Ooh, I think yeah. twenty five dollars, and that's gonna give you access to everything, almost every single card on Magic Online for at least a week or you two. Could even play eight cast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wonder actually whether a lot of people are gonna play that because there's a PTQ coming up. Is that actually a legacy PTQ? Uh, I'm not sure, honestly. I've I'm in mode ignore everything because I've because um, with my uh, band tour coming up I can't play anything so oh tell us about that while I look this up because I actually want yeah. to find out yeah so you're going to the US we're going to the US just on the last day of May I believe it is and um, we are playing for two weeks we're starting in Chicago going across and then ending up in New York and then going to go to a uh, American football game with like Sam Rukas and Phil Blackman and stuff 
and we're going to drink beer, shout American things, and be very American. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, dude, can, can you like take a couple of videos for me? I, I want to hear what like what Americans shout and how you how like Callum's guide to being American. <laughs> it's going to be can I get a goddamn hell yeah, motherfucker? <laughs> Oh, dude, I'm done. By the way, I found it out. So, cool. 31st of March is going to be the Legacy Super Qualifier. So, if you if you purchase the token today, you'll at least be able to play until next Thursday in the Legacy Super Qualifier. Cool. I think those are like the top two get invites as well. I think so. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah, that sounds right. Cool. So, definitely check it out. It's If you've always been like on the fence about whether you should get into Magic Online or not, um, these weekends are like week-long things are the very best thing. You pay $25 and then you play whatever you want for at least a week. And that's absolutely amazing. Yeah. Um, like even people who who have these um, loan accounts, right? Sometimes buy them just because it's so convenient to, to like to click this card, click that card, add this to my deck, add that to my deck. Oh, I already have it. Oh. I've I've absolutely done this once twice before as well. Even though I have mana traders, it's just it's so nice and easy to do, and you get all the versions you want, and you get to just yeah, just jump between things and be like yeah, this that whatever. I highly recommend it if you if yeah if you're thinking about just trying it out, just jump in, have a go. Awesome. If you have friends looking to jump into listening to podcasts, you can recommend us on Apple Podcasts. And by the way, Callum, you you've seen this right. Holy shit, did we get a lot of awesome reviews over the last month or two? Yeah. I, I can't stress enough. Like, seriously, people, I'm so thankful. This is this is absolutely amazing. I think we got like seven. I have no idea. Like, I actually I have a service that collects seven cents to us. And like sometimes I'm like, why am I even paying those guys five bucks a month? Like, ah, uh, 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 it's not happening very often. When it does, it's <laughs> yeah. amazing. And then I still have no idea. All of a sudden, like we get a ton of awesome reviews on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for that. Seriously, you literally make my day. I guess Callum's day as well for 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 the entire week. I guess you make the week. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the most awkward way to phrase it. But seriously, that's amazing. Thank you so much. If you want to support us in other ways, you can go to Patreon.com/slash/EverydayEternal. Join the Patreon, come part of Discord, and see all the awesome things in the actual. Like this is the, right the, the entire show, the podcast we that's just a front for the everyday eternal channel where we post food. That, we, that's we were the talking about um cold brew car content. So sorry, we were talking about we were talking about cold brew today. I think and how I have no idea how that works. Like I literally had no idea <laughs> yeah. that you can literally brew coffee without like adding heat. I thought oh, it yeah. was just like you you guys were trolling me or something. <laughs> we we would never troll you, don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Never troll me. So if you want to troll me, you can find me on at it's Julian23 on Twitter at no twitch tv slash it's Julian on Twitch. Uh you can find the podcast on at Eternal MTG on both Instagram and Twitter. And Callum, where can people find you? At uh good question. Hold on, let me go on Twitter. I <laughs> you literally you changed your name. It should be I so know. easy now. <laughs> at Callum Smith MPTG. <laughs> I totally awesome. remembered it. It's fine. Cool, cool. <laughs> So with that, shoutouts to our eternal witness tier supporters, Tommy Hinks, Testacula, Sebastian Holaga, Guillaume, Jake, Hanawar Elf, and Severin Schwarzhuber. And our Grizzlebrand tier supporters, Victor Weinhardt, Bajibat, Scott Monroe, Jeremy Gates, Henrik Korkutz, Tom Hepp, Joel Granahat, and Paragon Games in St. Louis. Everybody, enjoy the year of the turtle that we just entered. Uh, <laughs> we will see how that's going to work out. Maybe we're going to like curse it in, in just like the next episode, but... <laughs> For now, just go out there, play Legacy, and enjoy. Enjoy. Enjoy.